UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of Atlantis. Uh, if there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe anything you say. Not in my movie. Hi, everyone who is disappointed by the Beetlejuice shirt released on July 22nd, 2021 at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm David. Welcome back to Reflections of Fear. I'm Allison. I'm Disappointment. And Bryce. And I'm Chris. Can we also point out this is the second time they've released this shirt? <laughs> this isn't like they released it today. They re-released it today. Listen, you guys are hearing this very far in the future, and I can just tell you the disappointment on our faces when we were standing inside of this store expecting a drop on Twitter at any second, and we see shirts walking past us, and it's Beetlejuice. It was honestly funny sitting at Five a Dime and watching people come through. And then leaving. <laughs> and then leaving, and one person just like sat, sat there waiting for someone to go, and they're like, you can go, and she was like, oh, okay, and, and like, was- grabbed the t-shirt and was the only person. And it's so funny because, like, the merchandise people were like, oh, yay, new shirts, expecting all of us to be excited. And we were all just like, they were so prepared to get, like, trampled <laughs> on. And then everyone just sat there and stared at them for 10 minutes straight. And no one laughed. We were the first people to, like, leave the store. Everyone else was just <laughs> hoping for an hour that they had something else. And I, they didn't. They never did. I really thought we were being punked there for a second. I really did. I was expecting Ashton Kutcher any second. But what a great moment. <laughs> in Iconic. I'm glad I had my Grateful Dead with me. I wouldn't have been able to make it out of there any other way. <laughs> Anyway, so today we have our first guest on our show, somebody who we look up to a lot. And we knew that when we had this idea for this episode, we knew we wanted to have this person on it. So without further ado, we have Hunter from Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, Grim Grinning Host, and Disorder. It is good to be here tonight. Like it's, uh, you know, Beetlejuice was a disappointment. But this episode's going to be great. I fully believe that. Um, I will say, can you imagine if they, they put up the preview merchandise sign and they just brought out more Bun Ore merchandise? And it just had HHN 2021 on the sleeve. And we're like, are we obligated to buy this? Do we have to buy this? But hey, anyways, I'm excited to be here because it is an awesome topic that we're talking about tonight. Yes, I'm so super excited to be talking about this with you guys. We're talking about the best soundtracks from any kind of horror media. It's going to be mostly from horror movies. I think that's where um, most people are going to recognize these songs from. But we do have a few songs from television shows. So how this worked was that each of us picked five songs and we did our best to... Sorry, we, oh my God. Sorry, all of our other lists have been five. Each of us picked 10 songs um, from various movies, a lot harder than you think it is. Um, There's a lot of movies out there, and there's lots of movies with just epic soundtracks, but maybe not standout songs that I feel like I couldn't pick. Um, But 
So we each selected 10 songs. We made playlists. We compiled them into one mega playlist. And we're going to go through that playlist. And right before this episode comes out, we are going to post them so you can go through with us. So without further ado, I think we should get started on our list. Hunter, why don't you start us off with your number 10 pick? (laughs) Well, I just wanted to give a little bit of background about my list real quick because I love to overcomplicate things and play by my own rule book and everything like that. So my personal rules was the entire score has to hit. There's a bum song on that score. I don't want it. Um, I I was limiting myself to one composer. So John Carpenter, he's super easy. Could have done this whole list as John Carpenter, limited myself to one John Carpenter song. And as we'll get into the list, that's not a problem. Other people, you know, are going to represent certain people. Um, Another one is I did not want to pick duplicates from the franchise, even if it was uh, another composer. um, And I did not want to pick duplicates from the same movie. And once again, that is just my personal stipulation because I wanted to get really out there and just like kind of rack my brain on what I thought was going to be best. So first off, I saw I was like, man, you guys are putting me first. I need a kickoff song to really get things going. And I picked Prologue slash Welcome to Creep Show, which is by John Harrison. And I just think that is a perfect tone setting piece for, for a horror movie. It's got this lovely like introduction. There's that creepy piano crescendo that really kicks things off. And Creepshow, like I said, everything has to hit. There were so many different ones. I toyed with the crate. Um, I, I toyed up with uh, they're, they're creeping up on you. But I was like, man, that Welcome to Creepshow music is so iconic with those nice keys. I got to kick off with that. So yeah, Creepshow. Um, we've listened to all these songs today so that we could kind of know what to talk about this is one of those things where i was like this is cool and then it kicked in and i was like okay this is really cool because i forgot like this takes place when like the dad's being an asshole to the kid before we meet creeps so yeah no i really like this one and it's a really good one to start off this playlist because it kind of eases you into all of our mess that we've created here i've never seen creep show i have seen creep show too which I love, <laughs> specifically The Raft. Um, but it was a very good song. I At first I was listening to it and I was like, I've never seen this movie, so I have no idea what kind of scene this is taking place. And then I was like, okay, piano, cute. And then I like how I like how it did pick up. I thought it was like pretty iconic by the end of it. It was, it was cute. I mean, if there's one thing you're going to learn from this playlist is we love a good prologue. We love a good intro, main title song. But how that has to be the best piece because that's what gets you into the score from the beginning. So, yeah, when we were listening to it this afternoon, I've seen Creep Show numerous, numerous times, and like I could sit there and close my eyes. And I'm like, okay, like towards the middle, right there, I'm like, oh, and here's where it goes into the comic book. Yeah, I cannot remember the song for some reason, but I remember like the scene setting it up and like the feeling of it, and it just feels very Halloween, like the season, not the movie. Um, because that's a whole other monster. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. It introduces you to Creep Show well. You don't really know what to expect. It's kind of fun. Very great. Very great. Okay, Chris, your pick. I'm gonna throw it way back now. Um I'm I'm going with like I'm going with a classic. Um I went with uh Not on Bald Mountain by um Leopold Stokowski. Yeah, from Fantasia. Just it's one of those things growing up. Fantasia, it was kind of boring to me growing up. Like, I liked the whole, like, Sorcerer's Apprentice. 
But then whenever it got to Bald Mountain, I was glued in. And just it's, to me, it's an iconic song. It's like something you don't think of as a horror genre, but it is, it's terrifying. Yeah, this is definitely probably the biggest deep dive we have on this playlist because you really took horror and were like, what can I pull from it? And you immediately went to Disney for some reason. So uh, Disney will also show up later in this playlist, but we can talk about that later. Let me tell you, Fantasia is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Um, <laughs> no, but Night on Bald Mountain is just one of those iconic pieces of media. And I'm sure you can watch it on youtube it's it's pretty short but chernabog is great um i know this was also i don't know because back in the day animation was different so there were a group i read this in the lady from the black lagoon the book that i talked about on our creature from the black lagoon episode um the lady who designed the creature was one of the people who um drew all the animation for this scene specifically night on bald mountain so like i always have like a special place in this heart just because of her well if you're universal studios florida fan it's number 904 on the rip ride rocket secret <laughs> yeah. song list too yep yep it's my promo and that's you know this is one of those things that is just so iconic in horror in general because disney especially those really early disney films where they're talking about snow white pinocchio and then fantasia coming up like right after it that's the history, right? Like there is that scary element of it. And what is scarier than like the devil himself showing up? And like, I love this. And I know obviously it wouldn't work on this playlist, but the way it transitions into Ave Maria and just like the final comeuppance, but this sequence rocks. And um, they actually took a lot of inspiration for Chernabog from Bela Lugosi and his movements in Dracula. Uh, a guy named Wilfred Draxon actually did that. And uh, I just think it's such a cool sequence. Uh, the music is obviously incredible and it is the choice if you're on Rip Ride Rocket, unless Muppets is an option. It's not. Don't pick Muppets. <laughs> How did I not know that that was a secret option on Rip Ride Rocket? I don't I'm know, because I told for... you earlier today when we were at Universal, uh, and we in, all laughed about it. In one ear, out the other. <laughs> I always go for Vogue by Madonna, or I Will Survive by Donna Summer. See, if I'm, being I'm more of honest. an immigrant song girl. <laughs> immigrant so. song would be really good. Not that I have a Ride Rocket, but... <laughs> okay, so... The next pick was something that I picked, and I was super excited to pick this one, let me tell y'all, because this is, I don't know if any of y'all, like, remember Friday the 13th Part 3. I think, you know, it's kind of a middle-of-the-pack Friday movie, but the first song that plays in this movie is the most hype, disco-sounding Friday the 13th music you will ever hear in your entire life. It is beautiful. It's perfect. I listen to it in the car. I listen to it when I'm going to Halloween Horror Nights. I don't think anything gets me more hype than this specific Friday the 13th song. When we were listening to it uh, and it built up, it built up, it was building up and then it hits and I was like, this is just Goosebumps. <laughs> this is purely the Goosebumps theme song. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's It sets up Friday the 13th part three pretty well because that's when Friday the 13th starts to become a little bit cheesier than what it probably started out as not that it wasn't ever cheesy but um yeah no this is a good one this is a fun one i distinctly remember when i was listening to it because we had like the rule for no lyrics or anything i thought it was going to be like a pet cemetery kind of thing where it's just like this really weird friday the 13th oh like God. theme song <laughs> and so i was surprised that it was like an orchestral piece because i really thought it was going to be something 
weird. I was watching the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, all seven hours of it. And I know they said that when this song came out, they were playing it in like clubs and shit. And I would love to go to Southern one night and have this playing. Imagine you go clubbing for the night. It's like the 80s or whatever. And they're just playing horror movie scores. And you're like the one person that knows. Everyone else just thinks it like slaps. And you're like, all right. Listen, I was in the car today just jamming to this song. I can confirm. <laughs> I, I If you I need a good uh, dance party playlist, we have you covered this week. Listen, all of I had to have at least one shit post song in here, but like it was it's it's good. I mean, you guys can listen for yourself. It's it's iconic. So I'm about to make a confession here. I I made some cuts for you guys this evening uh, just because I actually had a list of like 20 songs where I'm like, all right, I've got some alternates I'm really happy with. This was on my top 10 originally. And the disco theme, as it's commonly referred to, is just it rocks. Like it's the best piece of music outside of the Alice Cooper tracks in part six with Jason lives. Um, Hard Rock Summer is the jam for me. But like as far as the, the Friday the 13th themes, just like the way that it kicks in is so much fun and especially if you do have a chance to watch the movie in 3d if like you have a chance to even see it with like the really crappy anaglyph 3d or whatever i still have like dollar 3d glasses in my home so i can watch this in 3d every now and then the way that it kicks in you're watching everything in red and blue and you're like this is awful and I love it, but what's not awful is this song and this Jason. And I actually really like part three, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah. I feel like we have to have a watch along episode with him where we just watch this in 3D. You'll get a headache. That sounds <laughs> horrible, and I probably can't watch it, but we should. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad. I didn't know this was going to get the kind of reception it got. I thought you guys were going to tear me to shreds for this one. I also didn't realize Hunter came more prepared than any of us have ever been for an episode. Truly. <laughs> At least someone's prepared tonight. Truly. Okay, is it me? Can I go? It is you. All right. I picked uh, main titles from Beetlejuice because, one, I'm a nostalgic bitch and I love Beetlejuice so much. Um, but it also plays in the Parkwide loop for Universal Studios. And I hear it all the time and I love it so much. And I think it like perfectly fades in. What do you want? It also plays on, or it used to play on Journey to Atlantis at SeaWorld. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're like us, they played it again just to kick some sand in our eyes after the Beetlejuice shirt dropped today. <laughs> oh my God. As we were like walking out of Five and Dime, like trying to patch our wounds, they started playing the Beetlejuice theme and it just rolled in on us. So. I'm say anything like with a boom box playing the main theme like you guys love this yeah the five and dime team members actually followed us out and <laughs> made sure it happened yeah they they made sure we had a beetlejuice kind of day today yeah. and i was not um, here for it <laughs> so as you will learn from my choices later on i picked the most manic songs that i could find from horror movies just because my brain is very manic all the time and i like that it balances out so it gets worse than beetlejuice but beetlejuice is a great start for that I will say uh, this track from Beetlejuice perfectly sums up Beetlejuice in a weird way because the film is very manic and doesn't really follow one solid storyline almost all the way through, which fits Beetlejuice and Michael Keaton's version. Uh, but I do really like this. Uh, obviously, I love Danny Elfman. I love Nightmare Before Christmas and all that. So, yeah, I'm very vibing with this one outside of today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's Danny Elfman. I mean... Has he made any bad music? No, but this is just like, I don't want to say it's the best music he's ever made because he's so good, but like, it's just very 
perfect. Like Bryce said, it perfectly does the movie justice. So I don't know what I'm talking about. And how can you not get hyped when you hear this? Like when we were in line yeah. waiting for the uh, the Beetlejuice house during HHN Light and they were playing it, we were like, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready for this. This is the first song you hear in the movie. And they redo it when he's doing the whole Showtime scene. But like, this is the first thing you hear from this entire movie. And like, it gets you so ready for it. Yeah, I just, this is definitive Danny Elfman, right? I think it was his second film scoring project after uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, and just coming off of, like you said, Danny Elfman doing Oingo Boingo in particular, you can hear all that weirdness come through. And it's, I know Batman, the, the main titles is probably the most iconic piece of music he's written as far as like from the worldwide perspective, but it's really hard to top the Beetlejuice theme. Okay, so... Bryce. I'm really excited for you to talk about this one. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> um, but I'm going to be illiterate and I don't really know how to pronounce it, honestly. Denouement. That is, I'm glad you guys said that because I could not have said that. Um, <laughs> um, I absolutely love, it's from The Invisible Man, which I very much prefer The New Invisible Man compared to the old one, uh, which is probably a hot take. But I really, really love The New Invisible Man. Um, and this track, even outside of Visible Man, it gives you like this scent of relief and freedom, which is exactly what's supposed to give in the film. Um, because spoiler alert, she kills uh, the Invisible Man, basically, uh, and gets away with it and does it in a very shady way, which I'm about. But she's free of like all this crap that she's gone through and all this uh, abuse she's gone through. Um, and it perfectly slowly builds it up to this just like sense of relief at the end um and i remember watching this in dolby cinema and just being like this is a good ass horror track this is like the best one of modern history i feel like so see it's a very good and i love this track because it still has like elements of horror in it it still has those like really staccato notes that you get in horror and i feel like without that it could have just been a piece of music in any relationship drama movie but it still somehow managed to keep some horror elements in it which i really love and i just really love the invisible man i'm always holding over bryce's head but bryce was very opposed to watching the remake of invisible man and i had to physically drag him to the movie in order to watch it in my defense those trailers did not do that movie any justice at all um and they actually don't even use half the stuff in the trailer in the movie which is actually a very pleasant surprise because most of the time horror movies spoil everything before i see it i was gonna say one thing they really did well with their marketing is you're like ah, oh, they spoiled all the good stuff and then they don't include a single fucking thing in the entire movie so you're surprised because you're expecting all of the like shocking scenes or those moments were just so insignificant in the grand scheme of that movie i mean things even like the handprint on the shower you're like ooh, that's spooky and then it just doesn't happen because then <laughs> then you're like is she dumb she can't see handprints on her shower uh yeah i mean this is a great choice uh bryce i learned you picked a lot of melancholy songs like it's it's all like in titles and like these big emotional tracks like i'm i listened to all yours like i tried to listen to y'all's like back to back just so i had a feel for for who you were as people i'm like bryce is a very sad individual and realizing (laughs) he's a very tragic figure my playlist is uh, needs help with my mental health for sure. <laughs> There's one that we're going to get to that a little bit later. I was like, 
oh man, that's like one of the saddest things I've heard recently. And uh, yeah, yeah. But this is this is such a good choice. I mean, Bryce is sad. I'm manic, and Chris likes piano. So that's all, that's all you need to know about us. He loves a piano. He loves a good piano. <laughs> Bryce loves a good violin. There, there were lots of sad moments. And it's crazy because, like, I feel like I'm the one who likes all, like, the really depressing shit. Yeah, but I feel like my upper half is, like, this is just going to kill you. And you're going to cry at this when you hear it. But the second <laughs> half is, like, this is really fun. And, like, you know, let's do it. This is great. I think what really happened is Bryce finished or started rewatching Haunting of Hill House and it changed him as a person. Very that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, I will say I have been rewatching Hill House, so I'm just always in a depressed state because of that film film show. <laughs> I mean, a very cinematic show. It's a cinematic experience. It doesn't matter what kind it is. Mike Flanagan put all how many ever hours Hill House is all at once in Dolby Cinema. I actually have a couple of Mike Flanagan shows on you here. You do. You have a thing for Mike Flanagan. I love Mike Flanagan. He's <laughs> done nothing wrong to me so far, so. <laughs> he, he is very dreamy. Okay, Hunter, give us your next pick. One that I'm actually very excited for, by the way. Yeah, I had to. I was just like, hey, you know, I, I will be honest, my first John Carpenter pick was, uh, was also taken. This was a swap in, but it actually worked out because it was one I was like, Man, that other track is so good. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. But this is also so good. Regardless of what your feelings are on Halloween 3, the the score for Halloween 3 is exceptional work, like all the way through. Actually, you can just tell John Carpenter is having the time of his life not rewriting the Halloween theme again. And that really comes through with my track, which is Chariots of Pumpkins, which is the main theme. Of course, it's the first time you see the pumpkin logo coming together. And just the constant droning synthesizer that's very indicative of the early 80s and what John Carpenter does best. It translates so well. And actually, this is one that I visit often during haunt season. I mean, year round, but especially during haunt season, because there's so many good videos about John Carpenter performing this track live and he's having the time of his life. And uh, yeah, like I said, Halloween three, I'm glad it's found its audience. I'm glad it's found its place, but whether or not you like the movie, no one has ever said anything bad about the score. So I'm glad it's here. Yeah, I will say this feels very classic John Carpenter while setting himself very far away from the original Halloween, which is great, which is exactly what Halloween 3 needed. Um, and yeah, this gets me hyped. If we ever have a Halloween 3 house and this is at the beginning, I am fully down for it. Oh, Halloween 3, the tragic figure of the Halloween <laughs> franchise. I love I love you, Halloween 3. I wish for your sake you weren't <laughs> franchised as Halloween 3, so you would have been very popular. But like Hunter said, I'm glad it's found its audience. The score is fantastic. I'm glad that John Carpenter was able to make this as kind of like a passion project. Um, it, it is a very hype song. It's I always loved like the mix of horror and synthesizer, and I think John Carpenter uses it very well in all of his stuff. Um, but we'll get to that a little bit later, I am sure. So, Chris, did you want to give us your next one? So, my next one... Um went way outside the box. I actually went went down a, a television rabbit hole last night. I'm like, oh my gosh, this was so good. Um, my pick um, is from like my childhood, my, my you know, early teen years was um, Saturday Night Nickelodeon had an amazing show called Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I know it's starting to make a little bit of a resurgence lately, but 
like literally every Saturday night, that was what you looked forward to is sitting down and watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, you had texted me and said, hey, can I put TV shows on this? And I was like, yeah. And I for sure thought you were going to do The Monsters, and I was shocked when you did it. Um, but I also jokingly said I was going to put Goosebumps on here because Goosebumps snaps. Um, and then you just put like a more adult version of Goosebumps on here. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much. But yeah, I went down that rabbit hole and just all of a sudden just it started coming back to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember this. It's like you hear the music and you can remember exactly where you were, you know, what was going on. I can remember the opening with the candle and everything. Like, and honestly, the new Are You Afraid of Dark is almost as good as the old one. So that's tea right there. I don't know much about Are You Afraid of the Dark? I never saw it because what I did watch as a kid was Scaredy Camp on Nick Gas. And I don't know if anybody remembers that show, but I was on um, Paramount Plus the other day and I was watching Guts and Legends of the Hidden Temple. And it got me remembering when I used to watch Nick Gas when that was a thing. And Scaredy Camp would play really late at night and I would be so scared. So like just like the whole like campfire, like scary stories vibe, I've always been a fan of. Leave us a review if you want us to rewatch Scaredy Camp. Please, oh my god. It was it's really genuinely scared me as a kid. Bryce is gonna start writing our audience. If you leave us a review, we'll do whatever you want. Please, God, leave us a review. <laughs> yeah, this just brings me back to being traumatized by the tale of the dead man's float, uh, which is something that should never be presented to children ever. And um there there's a lot of that in this series. Uh but yeah, that that's those are all my comments at this time. <laughs> I'm never going to have children, but that makes me want to find someone else's children to show it to. And this was like Nickelodeon. It was like cutting edge because, you know, Nickelodeon, like during the day, it was like all oh, these little kid shows. And then Saturday night, Nick just <laughs> it was very cutting edge and very scary. Like like you said, they should not show these to, to kids at all. You haven't been traumatized enough in childhood. Don't worry. Nickelodeon's got you covered. Chris is only saying this because he wasn't a gay boy. I've been traumatized enough before. Are you afraid of the dark? Same. (laughs) Very that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So my next pick is Meet Rhonda from Trick or Treat. And Trick or Treat is, I know we've already talked about it. It's an iconic movie. And I think this song, which introduces Rhonda, who is by far the best character in Trick or Treat, um, it just symbolizes like Halloween innocence to me. And just that like, what's the word? Um, not wanderlust, but um, what word am I thinking of? Uh, whims- whimsical. It's very like, it captures that whimsical feeling of Halloween very well as a kid. It's just so sweet. And it's so Rhonda because like the rest of the music is really like powerful and threatening and hers is just like little do 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 and i think that's the key thing about this is that it represents not only ronda as a character but she's the embodiment at least when we, you first meet her of the childlike innocence side of halloween and like that's what really comes across in this piece it immediately makes you feel for ronda before you even know who she is too which makes it even more devastating when uh kids are just absolute assholes to Rhonda in this. Yeah, because you know, the story's not going to progress well for Rhonda at some point. Like, she is going to have some tragic thing happen to her, and I love that she gets her her comeuppance at the end of that scene. I can't remember if it's this song or if it's a different song later, but they play Rhonda's theme again, and they have her theme and Sam's theme, like, play together. I think it's cute, because the rest of the time his theme is, like, really scary, but not with Rhonda. Rhonda's the next Sam. 
She is. I think that if they ever needed like a main monster, she'd be it. Bury that, bury that. Okie dokie. So, Allison, why don't you give us your next pick? Also from... I don't know if I listened to this one. I think this was when we were trying to listen to soundtracks, but then in oh, Rice's car. There's no way you haven't heard this one before. Have I? So this was part of us rebuilding the Halloween Marathon of Mayhem. And I chose Wolf Sweet Part One by Danny Elfman. Yeah, play it for me real quick. It's the beginning. They play a good portion of this to open Marathon of Mayhem. Oh, that's, um, not, that's the character intro video. <laughs> That's what they, when you get cast as a character, that's what they play for you. <laughs> okay, I know what you're talking about. I love it. Um, I think it's cool. I like how it's very booming and predatory. Like, you immediately know what's going on. And I think in the movie, this is um, the brother getting attacked by the werewolf that ends up being his dad. Uh, I don't remember what he's doing. He's being fishy, and he gets got. Um, so good for him. It seems very modern, too. And I like how each instrumental group comes in one at a time. Like, they don't all just come in together. It, like, starts off really slow and then gets really crazy. And I think at the end, it has, like, this huge buildup and just fades away. And I think it's really cool. It's fun music. And it's nostalgic because Marathon of Mayhem was the best soundtrack ever. Yes, I would actually like Marathon. If Marathon of Mayhem was a thing, I'm sure it would probably be on this list. But, yeah, this is an iconic song from the very beginning it's been used in multiple universal stuff at this point uh deserves it uh it's great i have really nothing else to say well like now that i know this song i will say that like it's it's very good and like was this like gate music for 27 for 2017 did it play it because i feel like this is like that vibe or amongst the other stuff they played for 27 it feels like it would fit in maybe i don't know (laughs) We have to pull up a park loop for that one. Yeah. But um, no, it's it's very good. All I can remember from it, though, is the... That's the whole Oh, that's the whole thing? Oh, okay, work. I wrote for this one. I mean, I wrote for pretty much every song I picked, but it has very sweeping music, and it does, because it kind of just, like, flows all over the place. It's not really, like, I don't know, phrasing. It's so weird, too, because, like, I... I know I've seen this movie, but I don't remember this movie. I remember the house. Pretty wild. (laughs) More than anything. And I remember Chainsaw Wolfman from the house. You know, I watched this movie because of the Marathon of Mayhem. And I I don't know if I can find a house walkthrough. But ever since you said Chainsaw Wolfman, I haven't known peace. I know there was one in there. (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) there was. And then we made them in Chris's Wolfman house. So (laughs) Chainsaw Wolfman for the win. (laughs) Anybody else have anything? Okie dokie. Well, then the next one, Bryce, give it to us. Um, so this is one that I forced Hunter to take off his list. Um, I paid him $100 to take it off. But... <laughs> oh, wow. I know a thing about collecting, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the Shape Hunts Allison. What did I do? Uh, <laughs> from Halloween. This is honestly, yeah, from Halloween, 2018 Halloween at that. Uh, this is probably my favorite John Carpenter track, possibly ever. It's so, it feels like Halloween, but it's also so drastically different from Halloween that I think it fits, one, the character Allison really well, and two, the scene, because it's Allison's first time meeting Michael, seeing what he can do 
Uh, it's only like 57 seconds, and it really uh, makes you terrified for her and of Michael in this entire scene. That's uh, This is one of the most perfect pieces of music that has ever been used in a horror film, to be perfectly honest. It is the Halloween John Carpenter version of the Goosebumps theme. And something I think that is... Uh, you mentioned Goosebumps earlier. I think this one is really the, the Goosebumps theme. But just the way... Th- like. I love when they use traditional like hard rock or even like metal instrumentation and the droning guitar that's in this, which, you know, John Carpenter has used, whether that's in uh, Big Trouble in Little China or They Live or whatever, but like the vroom and then like the kick drum in this that's supposed to, I'm assuming, resemble a heartbeat The as she's running away. That stuff is so good. Um, and this piece, like the only complaint it's how short it is, which is why I'm so grateful someone made a three-minute mix on YouTube. And it also, I've used it several times on uh, Grim Grinning Host. Somebody made an amazing synthwave version of this track that's so good. It's like seven minutes long, and that is my buyout track. So yeah, the, nothing but praise for this one. This also comes out of complete silence in the film because she's walking up to the body on the gate. And as soon as those lights turn on, it just kicks in. Um, yeah, no, I really, really, really like this one. It's probably my favorite piece of music from the new Halloween, and I can't wait to see how they use it going forward in this new trilogy that they've got going on. If they do decide to, I don't see why they wouldn't. It's probably the most popular piece of music from that movie. Um, but no, it, it's very cool that how they made this. I think they use like a violin bow on the guitar to make that sound which I think is like very creative. And I love that this is like a generational thing because it was with John Carpenter and his son, Cody, who made it. Um, And then (laughs) the song always reminds me of, um, don't kill me guys, but it reminds me of the Purge Sirens for some reason. (laughs) It's very that, um, but I I love it. it. It's a very iconic piece of music for sure. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing because she's coming away from the body on the gate and then all of a sudden it, it starts up. But whenever she starts to run and it kicks in, I agree. It is probably one of the best pieces of music in that movie. I think I'm going to have to go home and watch Halloween now because I haven't seen this one. Um, What? <laughs> you haven't seen 2018's Halloween? You need to go home and watch it. Uh, hot take, it's my favorite Halloween made so far. Grandmother. <laughs> I feel like every time we do this, every time I started watching horror movies in 2018, I have a lot to rewatch. Well, then this should have been like at the top of your list. It came out 2018. I didn't like Halloween that much <laughs> in 2018, so I'm going to have to get used to it. Chris is going to kill me. I also saw Halloween 2018 for my first time in Dolby Cinema. So as soon as this kicked in, like the seats were straight up rattling. It felt like Shrek 40, just Halloween, though. I was going to say, to be fair, my first uh, introduction to Halloween was Halloween 4 and Shrek in 2018. So then I was like, I don't really want to watch this movie. I will say, though, that I love the soundtrack from Halloween 4. I love that whole score, to be completely honest with (laughs) y'all. I play it a lot. Okay, so Hunter, why don't you kick us off with the next one? Yeah, this piece is... In my opinion, this is probably the most beautiful piece of music that's ever been put to a horror film, to be perfectly honest. it's uh, It was always You, Helen, which is from the Candyman soundtrack, of course, done by Philip Glass. And 
the Candyman score is very ethereal, but it's very tragically romantic. And I think that's what Philip Glass does so well. He is so celebrated as a composer and his work. He was the one that they tapped to go back and do the score for the 1932 Dracula when they decided to finally add music to that. And, you know, that's whether you agree with the tamping, uh, tampering or not of adding a score to that, but specifically about Candyman, this piece of music is just one of those where you're like, we're talking about great music and horror scores. This is just great music. In my opinion, this is one of those that completely transcend the genre and you can put this on for anybody and they're going to be like, holy shit, what's that? And like, that's what I think this piece of music encapsulates. This is also another track that like, perfectly describes a relationship between people and it perfectly describes a relationship between Helen and Candyman. Um, Especially with like everything that happens in this scene. Uh, It's tragic, but comforting. It's strange. I really do like this one. This one almost made my list. I think it's on my backup. So I'm glad it made it. Candyman is one of um, those soundtracks just the whole movie in general that I don't feel like it's talked about enough um, in the grand scheme of things. It This song in particular is so haunting and so moving. And I think it perfectly encapsulates the story of, of Candyman perfectly. It's a, it was a very good choice and I'm glad I made it on the list for sure. Okie dokie, Christopher, let's talk <laughs> about another very haunting piece of music. Yeah. So, um, my next pick is the uh, theme from The Exorcist. To me, yes, it's very haunting. I think, honestly, I think this is scarier than the movie itself. I mean, that's just my opinion. But but considering the time when the movie came out, yes, it was very scary. But, you know, watching it in, you know, even 90s and 80s, yeah. To me, it's not as scary as it probably was back then. But, yes, this is... To me, it sets, you know, the scene for the movie where it starts off just very haunting and you just have that piano and it's a very iconic piece of music. Maybe I just keep getting this confused with Halloween for no reason, but it always reminds me of Halloween. And I feel like as far as iconic horror soundtracks go, those two are like the most iconic ones because I've never seen Exorcist, but like I've always known this song. Like, I don't know how, but. It's one of those like songs that gets played and people are like, oh my gosh, where is this from? Where is this from? But then it always comes back to the exorcist. I feel like Halloween and this are probably in the same time ratio. They possibly. Are, yeah. Um, so that could be why it feels so similar. It does this interesting thing where it feels innocent yet scary, which once again, perfectly describes Reagan in this entire film. Um, and it definitely you've already had this weird buildup into the movie that makes no sense. I mean, it makes sense when you watch the whole thing, but like when you're first watching it, you're just kind of like, where are we going with this? I thought this was about a girl who got possessed. Um, but once it kicks in, it's just kind of like a, Oh shit. Like hold on to your butts. Cause we're about to take an entire ass journey with this film. I will say though, that the name tubular bells always reminds me of like a really cool, like surfer rock Christmas album, <laughs> Christmas song. <laughs> Totally tubular bells. It's like the silver bells for California. <laughs> I was going to say Quasimodo, just, you know, <laughs> hanging out. But yeah, something that um, a lot of people don't know, um, excluding probably present company, is tubular bells is 
it's a it's two parts of an instrumental album tubular bells is actually like 43 minutes long and they end up only using like a minute and a half of it for the exorcist it might actually be even shorter than that the dude who wrote it mike oldfield he was like 19 at the time when he did all this he did like almost all the instrumentation for it and now it's gone down as one of the most like iconic horror themes of all time and it's just that small section of it and uh it's just one of those things it instantly triggers your flight or your your fight or flight like sensory and you're just like man walking into the hhn house seeing the facade seeing the iconic poster recreated with tubular bells playing that's 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 hhn right there not what we're talking about tonight but it's worth bringing up we're always talking about horror yeah. nights here yeah, yeah, yeah. it always comes back there eventually but i did not know that actually so uh send me that that link because <laughs> yeah. i want to hear that <laughs> Um, Exorcist has been a movie that's always haunted with me. It's always stuck with me. It's one of my, I have a horror movie vinyl record collection. I have The Exorcist. I've only played it once because I don't, yeah, I don't want to vibe to that. I will vibe to pretty much anything else but The Exorcist. I don't know. There's something about that movie. You're trying to like fold laundry and you're threatened (laughs) by your music. That, the music from The Exorcist and the music from Hereditary are two scores that I don't want to listen to while I'm trying to relax. You're totally right. I think I, I might also have that one. Is it the, the Waxwork release? Yeah, it's just, it's really unpleasant. Like the only one that is more unpleasant is probably the Black Christmas score. If you ran through that one. Uh, oh man, Black Christmas is like scary. It's <laughs> scary. But The Exorcist is right there too. Like it's one of those you don't play during certain hours of the day, but it also feels weird to listen to it at 2 p.m. on a Sunday. So you're like, when do I listen to this? But yeah. At what point do you listen to it? It sounds like church music. <laughs> 2 p.m. on a Sunday. That's it. <laughs> you walk into church and this starts playing. Don't go into that church. I was about to say we should go into a church and put on your record. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> you know what? We should walk into a church and have this play when we walk in just to scare all the people. <laughs> but we really... I was going to say in full Pazuzu gear. Yeah, we have to like <laughs> sneak in there really Flash early on. in the morning and hide and start playing it and once they freak out we're just we can just start doing random like magic tricks to freak them out i think that'd be fun i'm telling you churches cute, in the area watch cute out date night, uh take your podcast to possess a church <laughs> i'm about hearing? we're coming for you in the confession box Pazuzu face right i'm kind of scared he's ready for this yeah. i was kidding listen queen mary of the universe that would be the place to go <laughs> okay so next is one of my choices and i was introduced to this piece of music at halloween horror nights 2018 it was part of the park music and i shazammed it when i was in line for probably halloween four or something where you could get like a good listen of the the park loop and i saw it was from day of the dead a movie i'd heard about but i went home and watched very my vibe love day of the dead love this song it's breakdown from day of the dead and this it very encapsulates the feeling I think 2018 was trying to go for. So if you really like that event, I think you would really like this piece of music. Day of the Dead itself is kind of like the slow of the George Romero original three, I think. So proceed with caution. It's a great movie. Um, great gore. This song, I think, comes in at the most perfect emotional moment. It has... Um, that very like slow emotional feeling to it, but it also has like that really cool like 80s feeling to it as well that like I feel like that decade really captured perfectly. This is a movie I have not seen yet, but I want to now since I've <laughs> listened to this as well. This is a very 
interesting one. Um, I really don't know what else to say. It feels very 80s, very horror, and I'm about it. I was going to say, it's, it is an 80s movie, right? Because I have heard this so many times just watching In Search of Darkness, and I couldn't remember why it was familiar because I've never seen this movie, but they play it so much. So it's fun. I like it. It also shows up if I I think it's in the third season of Stranger Things as well. It's just one of those pieces. Um, but yeah, John Harrison showing back up on the list. Frequent Romero collaborator. He did Creep Show and he did this. So it was cool to see him get some representation. I did anyone add Stranger Things to their list? Because I, I love that they made their own playlist in season three. They also had Killer Clowns, so I've got to stand that season. <laughs> I almost put kids from season one of Stranger Things because that feels innocent and it becomes very creepy very quickly. So I like it. <laughs> Last minute edition, Stranger Things, kids. <laughs> All right. So I could not have gone very far without talking about Trick or Treat's main titles because I. It was hard. Their whole soundtrack is so good. But I think Main Titles is the best song because it goes through all of the musical elements you get in the movie. Um, I like how it starts off very, like, shocking and loud. And then it goes into, like, the kids' trick-or-treat theme. Because I think that is so creepy. But you never think, like, the trick-or-treat song is creepy until you hear a bunch of little kids, like, vocalizing in the background, trying to kill you amidst like the zombies running around so i think they did a good job it fits the comic theme very well somehow and it's spooky i was joking when i was listening to this that we all took the no lyrical role and really pushed (laughs) our edges with it and got just vocalization through it and this is yours this is a fun one it does remind me of hunter's pick with the prologue of creep show it gives me the same type of vibe and it could just be because there's comic books <laughs> during both of those sections but it does give me that same type of vibe this song truly haunts me because it was blasting outside of that house constantly no that's a different song oh is it that's the that's not this song no but the that played sometimes outside yeah okay i'm like scarred from the little i mean that too <laughs> that too also but yeah scars this me. one um i wrote that douglas pipes pulled out all the stops he usually does but this song he like did not stop he just did everything he could and like the wolfman one it like builds up really big and just fades out like it just leaves douglas pipes i don't know i wanted to say that <laughs> his name made me want to say it like that interesting thank you for that you're welcome i do my best to keep things interesting around here at reflections of fear podcast you can find us at reflect fear pod on twitter <laughs> i was just gonna say it's really funny for such a, what is basically a very jarring piece of music it's become such a comfort piece of music to pretty much everybody that I know at this point, like it, it shouldn't work. It's, it, I think it actually does take a lot of cues from uh, Bernard's score for psycho, right? Like it's, it's very sharp and abrasive, I think is the key word, but, <laughs> but you're also like, ah, kick my feet up. I'm home for the day. Like that's the feeling I get listening to this. This is another one of those songs that like takes the mania that I'm always feeling and just gets rid of it. So I like that. (laughs) Bryce is dying. That's our horror score for you. (laughs) Okay. Bryce, now that you are um, in the perfect mood, why don't you tell us about this next piece of very... Uh, Yeah, let me just go ahead and bring you guys all right on down again. Um, (laughs) 
this is beginning of the end movement one from Hill House, uh, which appears I thought only once, and then I was rewatching and I was like, oh no, this appears at like every sad moment in this series from yeah so all luke's uh luke's 90 day uh speech appears when theo is uh pissed about now killing herself which is a whole situation but um it appears multiple times throughout it at like the most the depressing moments um but what i really like about this is it's just calm kind of all the way through so even though it's sad, if you just listen to it in bed, it's pretty calming all the way through. And it's just like a little piano that just kind of builds on itself and then just kind of disappears. I really, really like it. I will say, I think, I feel like somebody can prove or disprove this because I can't exactly remember right now. But I feel like that Bly Manor and Hill House share a lot of the same musical cues. And I feel like I haven't seen all of Hill House. I've only seen the first two episodes. However, I have seen all of Bly Manor, which I love. Talk to me about Boy Manor any day. Um, but I feel like when at I was Hot listening for Creature? to... Huh? At Hot for Creature? Yeah, you can find me at Hot for Creature. Um, talk to me about Boy Manor. Love that one. Um, but I feel like this one took a lot of cues from Hill House. Um, and like when I was listening into the car, I was like, oh shit, this was like a couple of times on Boy Manor, I feel like. But um, no, it's very good. I love pieces of music like this. Um it's haunting, it's great, it's sad, it's depressing, it's everything that Mike Flanagan wanted you to feel at that moment. Um, and, you know, he's a great director and everything is picked out so perfectly for that scene. And, you know, like when this music plays during any of his stuff, you know, you're about to feel some shit. This is the perfect music if you want to like project yourself into a fantasy world where it's just raining in your sad all the time. You can just feel anything you want. Yes, very yeah. that, very that. If you need to get anything out, <laughs> you can uh, talk to Bryce <laughs> and just listen together. <laughs> if you want to have a good cry at all, like Blind Manor and Hill House are the perfect <laughs> soundtracks to play. Yeah, you can always come over to my house and we can cuddle Copper and just cry together. It's great. It'll be great. <laughs> I thought he was just going to offer to cuddle anyone from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's where I thought that was going. Bryce. <laughs> He's lonely. Someone help him. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I've just got a dumb joke. I was just, you know, sitting there, sad, gray clouds, and everything. It's lo-fi, beginning of the end movement to uh, chill and and study to. You know, like that's where we are. <laughs> I was gonna say you're playing our reflections of fear podcast thing, and you go from like the super sad song to like main titles or Beetlejuice, and it's just. <laughs> You die. <laughs> You're just shocked. Very that. And might I just say, dumb jokes are always welcome to you at Reflections of Fear. Uh, we love them. We live for them. That's the only reason they keep me around. So. <laughs> Okie dokie, uh, Hunter. Right? This is Hunter's pick? Yeah. I've already forgot the order. Okay. Give us your next one. So this is one that I know everybody listening to this has heard because it was in the park-wide music for 28 and that we are visiting uh, composer Jerry Goldsmith, who shows up a couple times on this. Um, the reason I went with this one is because I really went back and forth between this and actually the alien theme because great pieces of music but I have a poltergeist tattoo. So that one out, um, but it's the calling slash the neighborhood. And, um, this is just the piece of music that when you were thinking about Poltergeist, it perfectly encapsulates what that movie is. 
and what it's trying to do. It has the lighthearted family moments, but it also has this very sinisterness um, that it permeates everything, even those very uplifting moments, which are even kind of like John Williams inspired or something like that, there's still this tinge of something's not quite right. And that's due to the vocalizations, which are supposed to represent the the innocence of Carol Ann and everything that she's about to go through. And uh, I was just like, man, this is such a good piece. You're, you're talking about horror on vinyl. This is the first track on the Poltergeist pressing that I've got. So whenever I want to just like immediately dive into that, this is what I go for. It always represents like the ghosts to me, I think, because they're very like childish and playful and like they don't want to hurt anybody, but they almost kill Caroline just by <laughs> trying to free themselves. So it does have like the sinister childlike, I think, because they're not as mean as they're trying to be. And I feel like that's just like Poltergeist as a whole. Like this is a very perfect representation of Poltergeist because when you're watching it, you're like, wow, this movie focuses a lot on the children and a lot of the horror happens to the children. And I think what Hunter said is perfect representation of this. It's innocence, but there's something off about it. And I think that's just that whole family. Like they seem like the perfect family on top. But, you know, as soon as they move into their idyllic house, things just go south very quickly. It also makes it more surprising when the beast or whatever it's called does show up <laughs> later. Cause like, you're not expecting that at all. You have this, like the childlike ghost. And then it's like this demon thing that wants to kill everyone and free itself. So <laughs> if that was what they're going for, they did it well. Don't forget the vagina tunnel that shows up in the closet. Yeah. But I don't think it's a vagina tunnel in the movie. I think that's just for us in Orlando. Uh, I've never seen a vagina, so I... I've seen it once. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Christopher, why don't you give us your next one? So so once again, I went down this uh, TV uh, rabbit hole, and I'm I'm taking this way back. Not a lot of people even know that this even existed, but um, it's from the 50s. It's um, Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock Presents... It was a precursor to another iconic TV show that came around just a few years later. But um, Alfred Hitchcock, it says that he was a very influential and widely studied filmmaker. And what they did was they they in, they ended up giving him his own like hour long show. And so instead of you know it being a feature film, he would have like you know like maybe two sometimes three like stories uh, per show so yeah i'm gonna be honest i've never seen this uh this was my first time hearing it um so it sounds like the monsters to me to be honest and it made me wish <laughs> to be honest monsters <laughs> was on this list which is only Sorry. my fault i could have put the monsters on this list but i, I did not i thought you were that's why i didn't put it on there yeah I, the conversation just, we had i don't need people tweeting at me to remind me rob zombie's <laughs> doing the monsters because i still don't know how to feel about that no, it, I, oh, go ahead don't know go if ahead. this is gonna make sense it very much makes me think of like the the black and white mickey mouse shorts you know the halloween ones like where he's got the dancing skeletons i feel like that would be the soundtrack oh. for one of those why, why didn't I think of that when the whole skeleton dance? Too bad nobody put spooky, scary skeletons. No, but that became like his theme. Like you knew whenever it came on what was happening. I know it's, it's going to sound weird, but even like like modern day pop culture has 
you know, replicated it. I know there's been an episode of like Family Guy where they play the theme and you see the shadow and somebody walks into it and you know who it is. Um, I've never seen the show either. Love Alfred Hitchcock, though. Um, love Psycho. Love the birds. Um, North by Northwest. Love that. But um, it's good. I feel like I only got like just a little taste of it. Um, but now I'm curious as to know what an Alfred Hitchcock TV show would translate as, honestly. I just want to say I really appreciated it for providing like a buffer in the middle of the playlist. Like it's so different from everything else. Uh, boom, 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 boom. And you're like, but yeah, you're totally right. It is an iconic thing. Like everybody from Droopy Dog to The Simpsons and like it's it's been done. Um, and I mean, that just speaks to Alfred Hitchcock who shows up one way or another a couple times on this list for obvious reasons. It's funny because it's like a horror song, but it just sounds like cute and playful. Like, I feel like this is kids running around a pumpkin patch or something. It's like when you put mittens on a cat. Like, it's the kind of <laughs> bum, 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 like that's, yeah, it's what you'd expect. It's a witch with her little kitten and his little booties. <laughs> yeah, with a little hat. Somebody get on TikTok and make that real quick. <laughs> Do we have animators? Maybe. Get sure. your actual cat and put booties on the cat. We could. We could. All right. So next is mine. And this song makes me incredibly uncomfortable the more I listen to it. It is the main title from The Shining. This is what plays in the introduction when you have those like very long sweeping shots of, um, oh my God, what's the state? Colorado? Of Colorado um, and all the wilderness there. And it's that like slow, brassy, deep sound that's playing mixed with these very unsettling chants almost. I don't know how else to describe it. Vocalizations. It's two opposite sounds that very much creep me out, but I love it. It like, perfectly encapsulates, like I feel like, the sh- the feeling of The Shining. Yeah, I was about to say, this is another one that completely describes the shining before you see it because it's slow and minute like deep which is kind of like jack's descent into madness is pretty some would say slow in the book slow jack nokerson just already looks like a psychopath from the very beginning so he's pretty crazy to me from the very beginning jack nicholson for you yeah (laughs) um uh and then it gets into like this manic chanting with all these different things happening at once which is very like the hotel it's just kind of consistently air and crazy things are happening. Um, there's nothing innocent about it, which is interesting because I figured you'd put something innocent because of Danny and Wendy, but they were just like, no, this is Jack's show. So we're just going to make it sound crazy. So um, yeah, part of this goes back. It's actually using one of the like oldest tropes in music, which is something called the Dies Aires, which is basically a Latin thing from the 13th century. Um, it came back around in the 19th century in like churches, and it literally is the sound of basically souls being summoned to the devil. 
And that is what that, that like fifth step or whatever it is, like that is the sound. And you'll hear it a lot. Like um, this one comes to mind. Actually, the <laughs> believe it or not, it's actually used very effectively in Rogue One as well. But like Best this Star is Wars one of movie the movie ever. I just have to say. Well, there you go. That's why I brought it up. But yeah, it's uh, when Chirrut is making his walk, the ba-da, ba-da, and then it finally has that release. It's the same section of music. But yeah, it's the Shining theme. It had to be here. And just... You know, uh, with Reflections of Fear, I wanted to mention this was by a composer named Wendy, or excuse me, Wendy Carlos, who is uh, one of the prominent uh, transgender people in horror history uh, that composed this piece. So, yeah. How'd you follow that? No, no I was going to say, David was talking about how you see the sweeping, you know, visuals of Colorado and for somebody that probably has never seen not me but if somebody hadn't seen this before and you're watching that just hearing this music you're like wait a second what am I getting myself into because yeah because it does not fit you know just the landscape of Colorado and then you hear this ominous music I mean I think what they do with mountains is there's this like eerie feeling that you can get stuck there somehow even like it has nothing to do with the movie i guess like they get snowed in but that's not the big thing but there's something about mountains that's really creepy and i think that they play on that with a theme but also a lot of horror soundtracks like make you think of something this one like immediately makes me feel physically like heavy or like upset i don't know what it is Maybe it's my soul being summoned to the devil. I don't know. <laughs> but like has an yeah. immediate effect. Like I don't even think I made it to the weird chanting because it made me so uncomfortable just in the beginning. And I watched the movie, so I went through all of it. But I, I'm not a fan because it's too effective. Yeah, it's real good. I'm not sure if you guys have ever watched. There's like this crazy kubrick conspiracy theory documentary um okay okay they're talking about like how kubrick has inserted himself in the clouds of them driving through the mountainside and everything like that it's absolutely wild most of it makes no freaking sense at all but you should watch watch it anyways room 237 um oh i have it on my watch list because it looks insane it's perfect (laughs) It is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, personally. Also, this main theme uh, comes in later, so it's decades later, and it's uh, just as good, perhaps better, to me. That's quite the take, but it, it's it, it's good. It's good. I think it very perfectly encapsulates The Shining and what mood The Shining is going for. Um, isolation, um, being uncomfortable, uneasy, um, and menacing. I feel like those are words that she could use to describe The Shining. Also, once you've seen The Shining and you hear this, like, there's just scenes that flash to your mind, like the blood elevator and the twins. and The maze. The maze, Jack's crazy looks, uh, the snow, the axe in the door. The creepy old lady in the shower. Oh my god, yeah. Um, yeah, so this like immediately triggers you every time you hear it, whether it's good or bad. To be fair, if you're going into an empty room and trying to make out with the ghost in there, that's on you. If you if you don't like that she's like this old, like decomposing woman, like you should have checked before you started trying to fondle her. Tag yourself I'm the old decomposing woman. <laughs> I'm the bathtub. 
All righty. <laughs> so, yeah, the, your big three is the shining imagery. Really yeah, I'm in the really green bathroom. I wanted that bathroom, honestly. That's a cute bathroom. The whole room is very interesting. It makes me think, are they all like that? Or are they all just like very unique? Very that. Like, you never know. Is it? That's a pretty big bathroom, Chris. <laughs> yeah, there's like a, you got like a whole parlor in that bathroom. <laughs> He's singing about a different bathroom. <laughs> Enough about Anyways, bathrooms. Um, so my next song. <laughs> That's our next episode is top 10. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think the Halloween school bus massacre, because I think that it's a very memorable moment in the film. Like musically, you hear the song and you know exactly what's going on. And I like that it starts out kind of like haunting and creepy. And then when they get into like the kids attacking it gets very menacing out of nowhere and goes back to the trick-or-treat theme this whole playlist is just the trick-or-treat theme um but yeah very mystical in danny elfman like the rest of my list yeah it's very halloweeny <laughs> very very that it's a good song i don't remember it in this scene I would recognize it if I heard it, but like I'm always like so focused on everything else going on in the scene and how this orange is it is. When um, what's her face? I hate her. What's her name? The Macy. Angel. When she starts telling it, the story about the school bus massacre. It like now I'm forgetting it because he said he doesn't remember. <laughs> well, <laughs> he proved his point. Macy's telling the story of the kids, and it goes to the flashback, and they uh, get right. paid, and they get thrown out. Right? No, I know the scene, but like, I don't remember the music from that scene. Honestly, same, but it also once a scene begins, you already know something's going wrong. Right. So the music's clearly doing something for you. I just don't specifically like. I know what it sounds like, but I do not specifically remember what parts go to what part in this. Yes, this. <laughs> it's very good. Very good. Love that. Love it. Love a trick-or-treat. <laughs> Love a, a school bus. It's just fun because it goes through a lot of different types of music. Like, it's not the same throughout. And it's a really long song. So it changes a lot. Um, and Sam shows up. And that's all you really need in trick-or-treat. I feel like... <laughs> yes, please. Please. <laughs> I believe that this uh, carries a nice uh, mouthfeel of a track. The way, make sure you aerate it. Um, no, I'm going to be honest. We've we've discussed a lot about Trick or Treat here. It just really is a great score. But I will say the thing that sticks out about this is we talk about the Trick or Treat score, and it's outside of this and Rhonda, it is very loud and kind of booming and like i said previously, abrasive. And this breaks that up. It comes at that perfect time, and it's. Also, it ties into the character of Rhonda, but you're also starting to see the loss of her innocence, like we talked about previously through the telling of this story. And even in this one, when there is a lot of violence going on, it doesn't get very sharp and like abrasive. It just stays kind of the same melodic structure. Ready that? Okay. Bryce? Um, so we only have two more depressing songs left. Uh, I don't think this one's as depressing as the other ones. Uh, you could probably switch this one, my next one, to make it more. Um, <laughs> this is uh, Ready or Not Overture by Brian Taylor uh, in Ready or Not. And once again, I think it's a ta uh, track that 
perfectly describes the movie you're getting into before you get into it because it kind of pulls into this creepy vibe uh, something's just not right but then it goes into this kind of like fuck it let's do it vibe and then it just goes into this like okay i don't know what happened type of <laughs> like this whole thing and if you haven't seen ready or not it starts out like creepy and weird and then it goes into this whole fuck it let's just kill everybody we're done with this i'm done with this marriage i'm moving on and then it moves into this holy shit this was actually real but i don't know what the fuck just happened this night um and i think this song perfectly encompasses that entire journey that she goes through i'm just gonna keep saying some weird shit um for hill house like, it's the same kind of vibe, but Hill House is very much more, like, emotionally traumatic. But my first thought when I listened to this was it's very physically traumatic. And Grace's whole, like, character arc is just going through all of this intense physical trauma and getting, like, the shit beat out of her. And emotionally, at the end, she's fine. Like, you would think she'd be crazy after going through all of that. And she's kind of just like, whatever, I'm going to light a cigarette on top of the fire of the house I just burnt down. Like, she's, aside from needing to go to a doctor, she's kind of okay. And laws. Yeah. Love Samara Weaving though. I haven't seen this movie, but I love I love her. You need um, to watch this in Mayhem. I think that's your assigned reading for the well, week. Well, it's crazy because I don't know why you guys led me to believe and l- kept me thinking that this was your next. Um, to be fair, that was Bryce. I never <laughs> knew you thought this was your next until today. I just can't stand you guys. We're gonna make you watch Ready or Not because that movie that's is fine. Amazing. I've been meaning to watch it. It's great. Hunter can join if he wants. <laughs> Ready or not is very your vibe. It's very one of those things where you're like, this can't be real. And then it happens and you're like, okay, this was a journey and a half. It starts off too. And there's like no redeemable characters except for Samara Weaving. So at the end, you're just like, cool, kill all of them. Good for you. Like, what a queen. Love that journey for her. Okie dokie, Hunter. Let me just say, before you even start on this song. This movie that this song comes from, I am obsessed with it. And I couldn't believe I didn't even think about putting a song from this playlist until I saw the song. And I was like, how the fuck did I not think of this? Because this this movie's a masterpiece, in my opinion. Yeah, it's funny because 2014 is one of those years where you're just like, man, there's, there's definitely some hidden gems. And uh, what we're alluding to here is it follows um the score is done by disaster piece um who had done like a lot of video game music before this was uh his first foray into film scoring and it just really brought back we we had nothing but praise earlier to as far as just like john carpenter's music and the synthesizer of the 80s and that's what it follows really brought back it wasn't the first one to do it but after this you started to see um one of the the pieces that i really wish i could have put on here was actually music from the guest but it's not on spotify so i was like oh man i can't do that so it follows ended up on there but this kind of kick-started that synth um resurgence i feel like in a major way because people are like man it follows as a great movie that score holy shit that's great and i picked detroit on here and i'm gonna be honest with you folks it was just a hipster moment like i i was like ah the title everybody knows the title let's pick detroit instead which is a beautiful piece of music um but everybody knows the theme so i wanted to put something a little bit different but it just really encapsulates those um it, it uh, the the uh I guess just the feeling that you would want to evoke from the eighties, bringing it into the modern age with some of that uh, 
feeling and flavor and it does it very handily it's such a timeless movie and a, a classic in my opinion and there's so many songs that could have ended up on this list from that movie such as heels which is the opening song or jay's theme um there's just so many moments in this movie that are iconic and i i love this movie and i cannot believe i didn't think of it <laughs> So I haven't seen this movie since it came out. Um, was it set in the 80s or is it a modern movie with like an 80s soundtrack? No. Interesting. Uh, but they do, they're like a cell phone shows up in it, but it's an old cell phone. And I think like it, it's kind of like trick or treat where it kind of like toes the line where you're like, you can kind of place it in a time, but not really unless you're really. You know, to. I was going to say before you mentioned John Carpenter, it very much reminds me of that. But then again, the movie itself kind of does because it's like this shape following them around and it feels very Haddonfield when they're just like walking house to house. So I think they did a good job of evoking that. And it doesn't really feel like they just ripped it off. Like it feels original, but brings you to the same kind of headspace. And let me tell you that Newberry Comics pressing of the It Follows soundtrack is in my car right now. I'm waiting till I get paid to buy it. Better still fucking be there. Um, so yeah. Great, great pick. Chris, why don't you give us your next one? Right, going back down my uh, television rabbit hole. And I honestly, I did not realize that this was Danny Elfman until I put it on Spotify. And then it all came back to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, it is. You know, it's funny because I was just going to say it sounds so Beetlejuice. And it that's is very exactly Beetlejuice why. sounding. And so uh, mine would be the theme from uh, Tales from the Crypt. I remember just growing up watching this and still I get triggered sometimes even going back and watching like videos of it on YouTube because it scared the crap out of me then. Can I just say whoever put all of season one on YouTube is a blessing because I watched it for the first time a few months ago and it's just such a weird show, but it's so like endearing and the music is perfect. Like I forgot that I remember this song until... You put it on the playlist. But yeah, how it, it shows you just going through the crypt. Like, I remember like the first time I'm watching, I'm like, okay, what what are we doing? And then all of a sudden he pops out of that, <laughs> that coffin and I probably jumped and screamed. I don't know, but still it triggers me to this day when he pops out. I'm like, I still kind of get jarred yeah. by it. <laughs> it also kind of makes you think of like comparing Beetlejuice to the Crypt Keeper. Uh, crypt Keeper is like, this funky little gay dude that just chills in his crypt <laughs> and has a good time. And so I feel like it's more of a, I don't know, is it a major key? I don't know. It's not as like aggressive or like. It's, it's very totally similar. To thrilling Beetlejuice, of Beetlejuice. Like said, it's yeah. kind of just more like this dude's just chilling. He's having a good time. And I think it fits them both perfectly. He's kind of like a more sinister version of Yoda in the Empire Strikes Back. He's just kind of senile and having yeah. a good time. But he also just like, he doesn't, do anything to them directly he just tells the stories and it's like this is funny they die no like, you're right though he is a little gay man because he goes through so many outfit changes in these introductions he lives for the drama uh, yeah he, he does he has his whole like dance party move that i know billy drew a while back and it was the funniest <laughs> shit. you're totally right though chris like this really is like baby's first jump scare in a lot of ways because i, w I was <laughs> you know i'm i'm early 90s myself um and that's just kind of like I remember growing up and, and seeing this and it's it's one of those themes that is just so good and so iconic. And like we were eating good during that time period between this, you know, a couple of years later, we had the X-Files and one that almost made the cut on here. And I guess this is the place to slot it in. 
I heavily, heavily considered putting the Unsolved Mysteries theme on here because it's so good. But Tales from the Crypt, it is my personal favorite like anthology series of all time. Most of that stuff is held up beautifully. The talent involved in Tales from the Crypt is insane. Like Zemeckis had a huge hand in all of this. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely holds up. And and like you said, Allison, like a lot of it's still accessible. You can go find it. Watch the Christmas episode. It rules. Yeah. Is that the one where she like kills her husband and then Santa Claus murders her because he's an escaped convict? You know, something about Christmas horror just gets you in the mood for the season. <laughs> Why does the Crypt Keeper remind me of Leslie Jordan? <laughs> Sorry. Too young I've never I've never seen an episode of Tales from the Crypt. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I've never They're seen like it. 30 minutes long. They're I know. But now that she said it's on YouTube, I might have to go home and change yeah. that. I still want the Crypt Keeper and the Creep to like have a crossover episode because they're both so funny. And like the creep doesn't talk, but he has the same vibe as the crypt keeper. Yeah, he has the weird little laugh, and I think they get along so well. Like maybe they're dating. We wouldn't know. I was gonna say, and nowadays he has like that cult following, kind of kind of like Beetlejuice does. It's because they share the same soundtrack. <laughs> Thrapple between crypt keeper, the creep, and Beetlejuice. Okie dokie. So next is moi. And um, what a good pick I chose. Can I just pat myself on the back for this, this one? Pick. This is a very good pick. <laughs> this is Prelude from Psycho, um, the Alfred Hitchcock classic from 1960. This is not the shower music that I feel like a lot of people would think would show up on a Best Of soundtrack. This is the... I don't want to say main theme from Psycho, but it definitely plays more than the knife jab, high-pitched screeching song. This is what plays at the very beginning during the credit sequence and what plays in Marion's car ride um, towards the Bates Motel. Um, It's almost perfect, in my opinion. I think it does a good job of uh, encapsulating the mood of psycho and what you're about to get into and it's very fast paced and her internal monologue playing through this is it's perfectly paced and you'd think like just a long shot of some woman driving down the highway would sound boring but like this song like really makes that scene interesting and effective this almost made it on my playlist it got kicked off for something uh i shoehorned into this all but I'm glad you picked it because it's one of those songs I think people know, but they don't know. Uh, Like when they hear it, they've heard it before. I just don't think they realize it's from Psycho, but it makes perfect sense for Psycho. Uh, I prefer it over the knife jabbing noise because that gets annoying after a while. This actually has like a whole story that kind of it tells through the whole thing. It's very soft and nice, which is jarring when everything happens in psycho uh i just really like this one a lot well i haven't seen psycho and maybe hunter can help me out here but this song very much reminds me of uh the scarif scenes in rogue one it's either the atact assault or the master switch i can't remember which one but like it's the same like background part i'm gonna have to go back I just tried listening to it and I can't figure it out, but it's something about 
yeah, it's the same. Or it could be scrambling the rebel fleet. I don't know. One of yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go back. Psycho took place on Scarif, guys. <laughs> somebody's like, somebody's yelling at the car stereo right now. They're like, everything goes back to Rogue One. Uh, it should. Yeah, it's, it should. It's the best movie. But this is this is one of those pieces that's so good, and I'm so glad this showed up instead of the shower because like it's expected, right? But just like, boop, 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 and you're like, oh, that's great. I love it. Um, and yeah, it's just a really good piece. Um, it's it's really hard to find any fault at all in the Psycho score or most of Hitchcock's work uh, and his collaborators. That pat on the back was well deserved, David. Righty, uh, oh, you, Allison. I'm just re-listening to this What's song. Next? I don't remember why I picked this. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. So I picked uh, "Vendetta" from the "In Search of Darkness" soundtrack, and it's just like perfect HHN 29 vibes is what I get from it. It's very 80s. I love that they use so much of the same kind of music, but it all sounds different. And it's like a four and a half hour documentary. So this one stuck out of like four and a half hours worth of music. Um, so they did really well with that. I took notes. I don't remember what it is. Well, I was just going to say, so I actually, my car is a piece of junk temporarily. So I actually have a cassette player and I have a playlist. Uh, I have a cassette in there that's uh, Halloween Spooky Nights is what it's called. And the B-side. I want this playlist. Yeah, I'll send it to you because I have it on YouTube. And coincidentally, on my cassette player, this song is on there. It's mixed in. You can look at my playlist right there and take a look. And it's the 29 music and music from In Search of Darkness. This is just I love this piece. Yeah, it has to be like 45 minutes to fit the cassette. Um, But yeah, I love this piece of music. And it's just so good. In Search of Darkness is all about capitalizing upon that like neon retro wave. And this piece of music does it so well. It really gives you visuals, too. I like that. Like you can very much see what's going on. I am happy that shutter has jumped on the documentary game because their documentaries are pretty top notch if you ask me and i love a good horror documentary but between in search of darkness and cursed films and horror noir and scream queen like it's it's very good and i'm glad that in search of darkness made it onto this list because it is very you're right very encapsulates that 2019 feeling I will say it's kind of a nice break to have some Shutter exclusives on this too. Um, but what's funny is we go into this like hype 80s music that's getting you all done. And then you go to probably the saddest song on this list after. So I'm, I, was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize if this playlist really puts you through it. Um, so I don't necessarily know that that was the Shutter production specifically, but I will say... Shudder is so good at like curating the perfect films, especially with the documentaries and podcasts that they do to teach you a lot about horror, which is really cool. And they aren't all like eight hours long. So that's cool. And if you don't want to pay for Shudder, there's always a 30 day trial you can find. So please use it. We're not sponsored by Shudder, but we should be at this point. Um, It's worth it just to watch both parts of In Search of Darkness because I tried to watch like an hour and go to bed and I watched all five hours of both in one day. So anyways, who's next? Uh, Bryce is next. And I think this is probably the most recent addition to this. I would assume unless, you know, we come in with the last minute addition, which I don't think (laughs) would be as recent as this one. So go ahead. Give us your pick. 
yeah, this is literally a couple weeks old at this point. Um, yeah, a couple <laughs> of days. <laughs> but let me tell you, when I was watching this film and I heard this piece, because we had already planned this, I was like, this is for sure going on my list. Uh, this is Sarah's Fate uh, off Fear Street 1666. And I can tell you exactly basically what happens beat by beat in this song you can hear the build up to the tree you can hear her uh argument against the guy and cursing him you can hear her get hung you can hear hey you can hear uh you can hear copper (laughs) you can hear copper (laughs) um you can hear when her girlfriend kind of like falls to her knees uh you can hear where they move the body. Also, spoiler alert. I probably should have said that before we went into this. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I just spoiled <laughs> literally the entire story for you. Um, I mean, they knew she was going to die. They tell you she dies in the first one. And if you didn't know that, this is hundreds of years before 1994. So that's on you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is probably easily the saddest and the most modern piece on this it's like seven minutes long and it uh depresses the hell out of me but i really think it's a gorgeous piece all the way through um yeah to be fair i just listened to like the 10 second preview on spotify and i'm ready to cry so (laughs) i like forgot about this song but holy shit I'm so excited for my waxwork pressing to get in the mail. Uh, one, because the 1666 one is hot pink. But also, this score from 1666 in particular is iconic. It's so good. It's so haunting. Um, and this song in particular, like when she is cursing the town and you have that like fast piano part going and the the long drawn out violins, it's it's very good. I love this song. It's a weird piece where it's sad, but there is like a sense of like, I'll be okay. It's okay that this is happening. Um, And I think that's probably what makes that scene so sad is that Sarah's fully, she knows it's going to happen and she kind of chooses for it to happen, but understands that like everything's going to be okay and I will get on top of this at the end. And we already did a spoiler alert, so I can do whatever I want at this point. Um, I was going to say, it feels very romantic, but also kind of uplifting. And I think it is because she just saved Hannah and she knows that it's going to be okay. Especially because she's about to enact like this 300-year curse, which is good for her. But um, yeah, very much all of that. <laughs> I'm still over here really <laughs> sad for no reason now. It was 10 seconds long. If you want a good cry, go listen to this song and Hill House and Denouement from Invisible Man. Yeah. I really uh, put you through all your emotions, but we're I think we're good from here on out. I think we kind of get better from here on out. The funniest part is watching this movie. I wasn't even that sad, but like re-listening to it. I don't know what just happened. Good for who wrote this? Who made this? Good for Marco Beltrami and I, I can't say any of this. Anyways, good for them. Um, now to a more fun song that's going to make us not depressed. <laughs> yeah, so this is one, like, if I had to pick one track on my entire, like, selection here that I'm like, y'all need to add this to your Halloween playlist, like, immediately. It's this one. It's Fright Night. Um, it's from 
uh, I believe it's Raman Devadi, uh, is how you would pronounce it. Um, and it is from the Fright Night 2011, so the remake, which is, uh, I, I, I mean, full disclosure, the 1980s Fright Night is my favorite movie of that era. I think it's great. The remake takes what works about it, modernizes it, where it doesn't feel contradictory to the original, refreshes things. The score does that. And this piece is very classic, like European Gothic vampire, but also very modern when it kicks in with the percussion. Because you're listening and you're like, oh man, they've got like the pipe organs in this. And you're like, oh man, this is kicking. And then the the drums and the strings and everything start to, to build up. And just by the end of it, you're like, oh man, this is not only like, this is one of those songs where if you heard it like in a park-wide music loop, like you'd start doing like, you'd find some illegal drugs or substances and just want to start doing them. Um, <laughs> and that's like, that's what this piece does to me. Like it is so good. And uh, yeah, I if, if you only listen to one of my selections, please go listen to Fright Night. It is so good. Um, I don't give this compliment lightly, but this song fucking vibes. Like nice. <laughs> I had it on some playlist a while back because I accidentally found it and I forgot about it until I saw it on the playlist. And was like, how did I not think of this? Because like the whole thing, perfection. It's like if the Phantom of the Opera joined like an 80s rock band. Yeah. It has something to do with vampires, but like it feels all of that and it makes sense even though it shouldn't work. Um and then I like that Welcome to Fright Night. I think it's the first song and this is the last song. Yeah. They're both very similar, but I like how different the intros are because Welcome to Fright Night's more like, oh, this is a movie and it's going to be softer. And then the finale music just is like, fuck it. We're going in hard. Um, and it slaps. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. The most perfect soundtrack. When this episode goes up, like I imagine we'll be like really in the midst of like spooky season and everything like that. So if you, I, I'm always kind of surprised because it's one of those half and half. Like some people have seen it or they haven't seen it in a long time. Fright Night 2011 deserves your attention. It's really damn good. I don't even know if this would survive in a park wide playlist because this just goes too hard for Horror Night. It's <laughs> yeah. like you can deal with like the, the casual uh, synthesizer music, but this is just a lot. Um, but as a house, if this was playing in a house, it would be wild. I'm one of those people Hunter just talked about. I haven't seen this movie in so long, so I'm gonna have to like go like in my car listen to this. I on watched my way the home. first half like two years ago, and I need to finish it because now I'm like, man, maybe it's better than I thought. This is uh, this song did to me what I like to call Doctor Stranging, and it's where I literally get pushed out of my body because it's something that reminds me or triggers me into something, so my soul just leaves my body. I completely forgot honestly about this movie and this song until it popped up and then i was like shit this was good this is really good outside you know what even with the kid cuddy song in it i i'm down with it um we don't need to talk about the kid cuddy song but i personally enjoy I it think we do. <laughs> no, i we really don't. like it um if we ever come back <laughs> uh, if we come back to a lyrical version of this i might have to put the kid cuddy song in there we'll see Stay tuned for part two of this where we talk about songs with lyrics Listen, at some point in time. All I'll say is if we had to like rank these songs, this would be top five, like without a doubt. This is the piece of music that I know is in my cat's head when she's like <laughs> zooming around the room at three in the morning. Like I just dun, 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 like it is there. And I just yeah, she becomes a menace because of you. Yeah, exactly. Like, your fault. She's completely. looking down on me like the fucking Babadook. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa back up. 
have you seen that one cat meme where the cat is probably just like lying on top of somebody and they like took their phone and like the cat is just like towering <laughs> over him just like this with like the widest fucking eyes. I'm going to have to find it. We're out of Pop-Tarts, Yes. That's what I just imagined <laughs> in my head when you said that. I love that. Okay, Christopher, your next pick, a classic. Before he talks about this, thank God for putting this on here. Because I almost loopholed uh, Twilight Tower, to, uh, oh my God, Tower of Terror into this. So thank God you brought this into this. <laughs> so yeah, to end my um, my TV themes, um, I'm going with the the quintessential, probably the most iconic anthology series would be the Twilight Zone. Because I mean, honestly, who who has not heard the theme to the Twilight Zone? This theme absolutely gives me fucking hyped anytime I hear it. Especially when you're in Tower of Terror and at the end of that pre-show it hits and you're just like, what the fuck am I getting into? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Just a tone. I heard this so many times. Exactly. <laughs> See, as Allison just pointed out, yeah, you've heard it like a million times. Whether you know it or not, you've heard it in some way, shape, form, or fashion. It's just one of those songs that changes like the vibe it's going for so many times that it feels like 50 different songs. You just like know you're about to like witness something strange and unusual when you listen to this. I wish I would have been alive when this was on TV because I know you have just heard this song and been like, what the fuck? And like just jumped on your couch and completely got out of the world for a few minutes. But yeah. This just like dragged me all the way back to middle school, like English class, when for some reason they would make us watch Twilight Zone episodes. But it was like the most traumatizing ones. Like there was the the one where they're all getting surgery to be uglier because if they were pretty, like they got excommunicated. Or I think all the power goes out and there's like an alien invasion or something and they start like the thing in each other and trying to kill each other. And I still to this day, I'm like <laughs> emotionally traumatized by this score so good for them i just love the um that the whole thing was you guys why can i not remember anything the those morality plays like every episode is like a morality play which i um am obsessed with like a modern ish morality play i need to like watch jordan peele's twilight zone i mean i will never forget the first episode of twilight zone because i rewatched him a couple years ago and i think it's the one where he's just in a town alone and cannot find anyone or anything. And at the end, it's some weird like experiment that they're doing on him that he doesn't realize. It's just fucked up. T. Okay, so our next one is one of my picks, and this is Humanity Part 2 from The Thing. This plays at the very beginning of the movie where in their, when they are in the helicopter chasing down the dog, and it's that slow bum-bum. Bum, bum. And it's that like very like technical, slow sound. But I feel like this perfectly encapsulates the feeling of isolation, of being cold, if that makes any sense. But this is a very like cold, impersonal sound and music score that I feel like you would feel if you were in Antarctica, which is the place that I tweeted about earlier today, but like I've always been fascinated by Antarctica. Earlier today, a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> when you guys are hearing this, it's a few weeks ago. But um, 
it's Antarctica's always fascinated me. So I've always loved the thing. Um, I hope that one day when I go to Antarctica, I do not um, end up in a situation like the thing. But I'm gonna say that you hope that's the way you die. I mean, hey, it'd be kind of cool though. We'll miss way, you, but in a sense. <laughs> if if you're making history, then I think that's the way you should go. That's very <laughs> David. Very that. I mean, just to make Alice mad, if you go to Antarctica and this happens, I'll just show up as Leatherface with my chainsaw and we'll be good. Oh, my God. Yeah, we need Chris to go to record it to prove that <laughs> chainsaws are not hot enough to kill space creatures because they blew up a whole space station or a whole Antarctica base and it didn't kill him. So. But to bring it back to the song, um, it always is trippy because I have the, again, the waxworks pressing of this one. And... This song doesn't come in until like side B, like later on in side B, which is crazy because this is the very first song you hear on the playlist or on the soundtrack. And it's, oh, it's so good. I love this song. I don't know how else to describe it other than like it does a perfect job of encapsulating that like feeling of isolation and coldness and uncertainty in, that you get from that movie. Whatever. It's <laughs> either way. Um, <laughs> the uh, as someone who just watched it last year for the first time since David made me, um, it definitely makes you feel something's wrong right away. Even though it's just a dog running in the snow, um, but there's already automatically something where you're like something's wrong with that dog. Something's not right with that dog. Um, and this score does not help that at all. I just remember frustration from this song. And I think it's because this is the point where we were trying to watch the movie all together from like different cities and it kept unsinking and restarting. So we were on like our fifth time trying to watch it. And then it goes into like this really unsettling, creepy music. And you're already annoyed because you can't get the fucking movie to play. Um, so it worked years later for him just because we're dumb and don't know how the internet works. And young... I always get these two actors confused. Jeff Bridges. Okay, Kurt Russell. <laughs> Young Kurt Russell. Ugh, dreamy. The whole movie is just amazing. It's Perfect. A very good movie. And his hair looks fantastic. I remember you not having that same opinion when we watched it earlier. Um, I was really confused, but I never said it was a bad movie. <laughs> okay. I don't know who you're quoting. Fair enough. It's not me. Anybody else have anything to say on Humanity Part 2? Do we still have like cool. so many songs left? <laughs> I know. Okay, so Allison, give us your next one. All right, so this is easily, um, I think, my favorite song ever, and it's Muscle Car Clown Jam from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. A great title, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's just great. I am obsessed with all of John Masari's music, and by that I mean just the Killer Clown soundtrack. And this is, um, I think, the most manic I think a song has ever made me feel. Uh, but it's perfect. I like that it's very circus rap, circus rock. But it's very 80s, too. Um, it goes all over the place. I, I love the scenes where the car is, like, chasing him. Or he's chasing down the car. And it's just, like, the little headlights on his feet. And there's nothing there. Yeah. It's just the perfect song. And it doesn't slow down. Like, it's... I think this is, like, a really long song. And the entire, like, five minutes, it's just batshit. I don't like the Killer Clowns from Outer Space. But I do love the soundtrack from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So, um... I agree. This is like a very hype song. And I feel like everything from Killer Clowns from Outer Space is very hype. It's a very manic movie. It's They're a very chaotic movie. They're all different levels, though. Yeah. They're all very wild. 
Yes. But, yes. but I think this is a, a perfect song to have on this list. Great. Okay, Hunter. <laughs> There's nothing more to say. It just vibes. <laughs> oh, no, it's Bryce. Um, so we're coming back to it kind of in a way. Uh, this is the overlook, but from Dr. Strange. Um, and there's something about Dr. Sleep, Dr. Strange, <laughs> Dr. Sleep. Oh God. I wish Dr. Strange would go to hell, not hell. I'm mixing this all up. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, this is the overlook from Dr. Sleep, uh, which the way this hit me in the movie theater was insane. Because it immediately put me back exactly where I needed it to for this section of the film. Um, and I personally hate to say it. I uh, think it's better, maybe just because it's better produced than the original one. Um, but it just has a deeper like feeling to it. And it also ends with a heartbeat, which is interesting because a heartbeat is set to like the hotel awakening again. And it kind of gives that hotel its character and it's, I don't know. I just really, really like this one. Uh, and it very much creeped me out when I first saw it in the theater. Dr. Sleep's one of those movies where, yes, I feel like it probably has a deeper emotional message, but I don't think, you know, Stanley Kubrick went into The Shining, like making The Shining being like, I want this to have a deep emotional resonance to it. I think he just wanted to like freak people out. I think that's definitely something that comes with, you know, a sequel that happens how many decades later, which I think works better, but considering what he had he did a decent job the first time around yeah i i love dr sleep i like this song it does a great job of taking you back to where you need to be taken back to snaps for copper everybody <laughs> um there she goes <laughs> sorry we'll we'll take a brief um pause where you can just hear me ramble while bryce goes to calm his dog down who's barking at something i don't know what it is just continue Huh? Just continue. Oh. Yeah. I forget that we can edit all this out. Nope. To Chris later. <laughs> I probably could have. Um, anyway, a doctor sleep. Um, overlook. It does a great job of taking you back to where exactly you need to go to in that moment. And I love that the song is called Overlook because you hear those notes and you're like, damn, Overlook Hotel. Okay, we're back. Like the shining, shining mode. And I think Mike Flanagan did a very good job of balancing between knowing that he wanted to do something more representative of the book, but also knew that he could not separate this from Stanley Kubrick's movie. And I think that is what's so great about this movie and this song. All righty, y'all. Hunter, your next pick. I'm kind of surprised this wasn't a David pick, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, this is one. Um, it was in my my top 20. And kind of looking at him, I'm like, if we don't mention this one, people are going to be mad because it has to come up in one way. And of course, I'm talking about Goblin, which if you know those words, you know, I'm talking about Dario Argento, Suspiria. Um, Suspiria is just one of those movies that um, it is a hard one to recommend to everybody. Just because you like horror doesn't mean you'll like Suspiria. You're wrong, but, you know, it is one of those, but specifically like Halloween three Suspiria is a better movie than Halloween three, but like Halloween three, the score really shines throughout this. And the music that is in Suspiria is just so iconic and so full of emotion all the way throughout that it just has to be here. It's, 
it's arguably as far as re being representative i have others that are are favorites that i listen to more but as far as just like harsh scores that you were going to listen to like this is top of the list for a lot of people and it's so iconic that um the 2018 suspiria by the way just in case uh is actually really solid they went out and got tom york from radiohead to do it and like he had a legacy to live up to to do the soundtrack and that one's great too but specifically we're talking about goblin suspiria here it's great it's iconic and it totally deserves to be represented on our favorite horror scores list this is a movie I have not seen yet, um, and I know, I know I need to see it. I just need to sit down and watch it at some point, but I'm catching up for Horror Nights right now. <laughs> Absolutely bare-bones story here for the movie, but it's, uh, this song is so good, and everything about this movie, I could, like, talk about this movie for hours, and one thing, I don't know if it's in this particular song, because I know this is the main Suspiria theme, but throughout the movie, when, like, you know something bad is gonna happen. You hear that guitar, that dun na dun na dun na dun na dun na Like I don't know, it just makes you feel so, so uneasy, and you're just like, "Fuck, something big is about to happen." And I, I love that about this score and what Goblin did, and it's balances like horror with that like delicateness that you get from like the the women at oh my god, what's the dance academy? doesn't matter but at the dance academy um it's it's really good i love i love goblin and i love suspiria in the song i also have not seen suspiria now that we're surprised you guys i, I need to but like bryce said i'm watching as much as i can for horror nights right now um i just i listened to this earlier for the first time and it really stuck out to me for some reason when they start chanting witch and i don't know if it's because it's just really funny to me or if it's it's pretty creepy but them just be like which which like the whole time is fun yeah this this movie you guys definitely need to watch not only does it have a great score but it's probably the most beautiful horror movie you will ever see it's bright it's colorful there's never a dull moment every frame is a masterpiece i want every frame hung up in my house it's it's so good i love it and i can't believe none of you except hunter and i have seen it i'm shook you know, considering the rest of y'all always talk about how big you are with horror. Oh, nothing. <laughs> wow. I will say this. This is not just a movie that you're going to put on in the middle of like a Halloween party or something like, please be in the right mindset, like watch it on a dreary day, like a lazy day and just like really envelop yourself in it because it's, it's pretty brief. It's a hundred minutes. Isn't there but, a lot of gore in this movie? Uh, I wouldn't say really. I don't remember. I saw this on a Shutter thing, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I think I think you'd be fine with it, but yeah, you should definitely watch it because, like, it is one of those. It's like a hundred minutes, but it feels like you've been watching it for three hours because your heart is just like crazy by the end of it. But yeah, definitely Suspiria at the very least. Listen to the whole album. It's it's great. One time, I did a double feature of this Suspiria and the 2018 Suspiria, and. That was a wild trip yeah. because those movies are so tonally and cinematically different. That, and also, like you said, the Suspiria movie is short, but it feels long. Whereas Suspiria in 2018 is long and feels even longer. Um, so it was a long night of just trauma. Okie dokie, Christopher. Why don't you do the big burdensome cat uh, task of talking about this behemoth of a song? 
Well, um, this next one comes to no surprise, I'm sure, from anyone that I put this on here. That would be my personal favorite would be the theme from Halloween. I mean, it had to get mentioned at some point. I mean, you all knew it was it was going to go on my list regardless. We should specify this is the Halloween theme from the this original the, movie because yes. they somewhat changed it as they go on. Yes, this is the original. And, I mean, what... What else can you say about this? But anytime you mention anything about, you know, the Halloween season or horror movies, this movie and this song is going to come up at some point. I, uh, I have really fond memories of this song, just like everybody else here. So I'll make it short and just, I have a, I have a, a record called now that's what I call Halloween and it plays Halloween. And then it goes into Dragula by Rob Zombie. And I just wanted to bring that up. What a, what a mix. My, the reason I know this song is because in 2018, I worked at the spirit Halloween and they had this fucking Michael Myers animatronic that was on like a motion sensor, but they didn't put it on the trigger. They put it on a motion sensor. So anytime someone would walk up to the registers, it would go off. And it was just that noise and like the stabbing nonstop. And then I was like, this is fine. So I quit Spirit Halloween to do horror nights every night because I'm one of those people. And I got there and they had the Halloween 2018 track playing all the time. The Halloween 4 house, the park wide was just Halloween all the time. So I've heard enough of this song for my lifetime. And I've had to rewatch the movie like twice. And I think I'm gonna have to do it again soon. So I can't get enough of this of this theme. It's There's so, something wrong with it. I've just heard it so much. <laughs> it's so iconic, and the way that it the variations happen from movie to movie, I feel like does a very good job of telling you like what the not theme, but like the style of that movie is going to be. Like, I think Halloween two probably is the next best of the themes after, um, but. No, Halloween is, like we've all said, like you can't not have this on a best playlist of horror soundtracks. This is this is the GOAT. I'm almost positive. One last little fun fact for you. Uh, for a long time, this was the second most popular ringtone in the entire world. Yeah. Only beat by the Super Mario Brothers theme. <laughs> what an iconic duo. Could you imagine right? like in your friend group? <laughs> one out of five people has Halloween. The other one has Super Mario. Yeah, I admit that I'm one of those people. It, it was always my ringtone for the Halloween season. Hey, I think if your favorite like musical score isn't your ringtone, you're missing out because mine's the Jurassic Park theme. So, See, And it go. has been for years. And I, I think it helps being in the house for Halloween 2 and Halloween 4 that some incarnation of this theme has been just ingrained in my head you know for the past several years my controversial opinion the halloween 4 version of the main theme is actually my favorite it just has a little bit more extra oomph. they add a little bit more 80s to it that uh pushes it uh but yeah that's that's my hot take if you will the halloween 4 version of this is very good I also love the the um, Halloween. Oh my god, which one is it? Curse, the sixth one with the guitar. That one's really good too. Yeah. See, I'm gonna throw in uh, the 2018 Halloween because partly because how it's edited into the film, where it just comes out of absolutely nowhere, um, and it just has like this beat to it and bass. You feel that shit deep in your soul. 
and the the Trent Reznor version of the Halloween theme is really solid too. Yeah, it's really hard to screw up the <laughs> Halloween theme. Like to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of the Halloween franchise, so I feel like my whole like forty minute drive home, I should just listen to a compilation of like all of the Halloween themes. It's the there. Ages. It's there. I will say that the Halloween Five one is so discombobulated, but I still <laughs> love it. Like I said, I mean, I do love this theme. It's perfect horror score. It's so hard. To, you can't hate it. There's nothing to hate. But they did it great. And honestly, when I was younger and I took piano lessons, and this was the main thing that I learned to play on the piano, it was just this theme. Now I'm just picturing yeah. Tiny Chris. It got to the point, like, my parents would be like, oh, my God, stop. Can you play something else? I'm like, no, that's all I know. They wish they had never shown him this movie. Which is funny because the reason the theme is the way that it is is John Carpenter wasn't a very good pianist and it's what he could play. So imagine being labeled like the most iconic horror score person and it's just because you're like, I'm lazy, I'm not learning how to play piano. Fuck you guys. Good for him. Love that for him. Yeah. Okay. So the next one on our list is it's one song from one moment of one of my favorite horror movies, but I really think that the whole sequence of songs that plays in the last 10 minutes of Hereditary is pretty top tier for me. But on the list, I have Hail Payman from Hereditary. And this is, spoiler alert, when Peter goes up into the attic and gets crowned as Payman. Payman has possessed him. And you just hear like these like ominous, like high-pitched screeching i don't even know what instrument it is mixed with it's just tortured souls yeah it's the tortured souls being summoned to the devil um mixed with this like low gregorian chanting almost it's i don't know it's very unsettling and i love it so yeah the spooky season snurch day yeah (laughs) very that (laughs) This song and this scene really brings this whole entire (laughs) crazy movie to like a two second like peak and then just ends. Um, Yeah, this song haunts me. I can visually see this scene every time I hear this song, which is kind of crazy. It like it perfect because this is a pretty slow burn of a movie where you don't exactly know where the movie is going to end up going or who is going to end up possessed or you don't even know it's a possession movie until like the last 45 minutes of the film. And I think this song perfectly encapsulates encapsulates that crescendo that you get throughout the whole movie and that build. And there's no catharsis in this movie at all. And I feel like it just ends on such an abrupt, deep and honestly horrifying note. And I think the song does a very good job of, representing that i love how secretive we're being about some of these songs like this specific song from this specific movie like they don't already have our playlist set up (laughs) i guess if they don't want to look at it then (laughs) surprise surprise if if you've watched hereditary you know what this is and if you haven't you need to watch it but like at your own risk that's a very dark deeply fucked up movie Okay, Hunter, um, give us your next pick. <laughs> uh, actually, I think oh, okay. Allison's up. Thanks, David. Oh, yeah. Shit, sorry. You hate women. No? Allison. <laughs> well, from that depressive shit, we're going to Killer Clown March, um, which is very chaotic and very startling. And for some reason, for the longest time, I had this as my uh, alarm to wake up. And if you've heard Killer Clown March, it's crazy from the start. Like, it's very loud. 
Um, so I have scared myself many a time. But I like this one because it covers most of the musical phrases from the album. Like it goes all over the place, but it covers every single song in one, I guess in six minutes. Um, and even though it's that long, like it's never boring because it goes through every emotion you could think of, which is wild considering it's about um, alien clowns that want to eat you. Very emotional though. I love it. Yeah, I feel like this whole album kind of pushes the story forward, which is a very good thing. Um, but this one especially just keeps pushing it forward, which is probably why it feels so manic, but it's always like, we're going to sit in this moment. Okay, let's move on now. I forgot to mention, this is all the reimagined Killer Clown soundtrack. Yeah. like The first one's good, but this one's so much more like rock and circus and all that. So it's just even better than the original. And uh, just tying it in back to where this podcast originates, this is like one of the most hype pieces of music to ever be played in HHN, like in my opinion, especially in the scare zone, like you're sitting there bah, 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 and you're like, come on, girls, let's go. Like you have your Shania Twain moment. <laughs> let's go. Girl. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's where you are when the clowns march, which, you know, as someone who is a bit of a clown, um, <laughs> it's something we all understand. They also for my Marathon of Mayhem stands, which should be everyone that listens to this podcast. This is what they use. For the clown segment, and it's just super fun and all over the place. Um, just without the weird fake screaming of the girl that's getting eaten by the clown, which is like, ah, and then they go into like the rest. Yeah. I just love a good threat in a song, and this one's like playfully threatening. I love a threat in a song. That yeah. should be the tagline of this. <laughs> we love a good threat. We love a good musical love a threat love a podcast <laughs> love, love a song love directors you know <laughs> a composer <laughs> no this this is a very good song i think it encapsulates the movie uh, pretty well yeah don masari never made any flops not in his life not in his life <laughs> <laughs> never in his life especially not in this album he's been writing it ever since so um next up because i'm actually just hopping in here real quick just because uh we're going to combine something in just a second. So I just wanted to give a quick little shout out to a uh, C-list slasher, if you will. And I'm talking about Phantasm. People forget how good the music from Phantasm, and especially Phantasm 2 is. And it's a really great theme that most people don't even recognize as like a, uh, they know it's from a horror movie. They don't know it's like a slasher theme. And Phantasm's a bit different, but it always gets forgotten, which is, like the score is great. The original movie's great. Two's great. Um, just a little bit of love for Phantasm. That said, those of you who want to see it at HHN, like I, what? Uh, but yeah, you want a tall man in a hat? You've got Hill House. You've got Caretaker. You've got it all. The tall man from Phantasm has always scared me. Oh, he's really scary, especially like the little torture devices. Yes, that fucking ball. That he throws at people and drills out their fucking brains. Ugh, obsessed. Um, so this is by Nightcrawler. What did they do for HHN29? What song did they steal from Nightcrawler? Because I, this is very distinctly like... Um, I think Nightcrawler might have just covered it because it is very like... You're totally right. It's very yeah. 29-esque. It was actually made by a guy... Um, I just pulled it up real quick. Fred Morrow is the guy who composed it originally. Um, but yeah, this is just the best representation of the original one that i could find just like you know sometimes it's like 
the geek TV players or whatever. Like sometimes it's yeah. They also you, you got to work with what you can get. Specifically use it in In Search of Darkness because I've never seen Phantasm. I'm scared of his little silver things. Um, but <laughs> I've heard sphere. this so many times. I, anything round doesn't need near me. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just a like. What do you do? You run it on a rope overhead, like as you're walking through, like yeah. Okay, um, so me and Chris are kind of going to team up on this because uh, they're similar. There's a slight differences, uh, but I have uh, in title slash the Gremlin rag from the Gremlins, um, and Chris has Gremlins main theme. The reason I chose in title slash Gremlin rag because I knew I needed to have the Gremlins theme in this because Gremlin slaps and was my favorite horror movie uh, next to Ghostbusters. If we consider that horror, I will. Um, but also it has the Mogwai theme, which I think is just basically Gizmo's theme, which is always a special place in my heart. Uh, I was obsessed with this movie as a kid, obsessed with the song. It's one of those songs that should feel menacing, but you're just kind of like, hell yeah, let's vibe to this. Um, and you just allow the gremlins to do what they need to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll agree with you. Um, yeah, the reason... I think I told you that it's like I apologize. Gremlins is going in my playlist because, yeah, as a kid, like I loved the movie. I mean, I still love the movie, and like I could watch it over and over and over again. And just the main title, whenever it just starts, you're right. It's supposed to be menacing, but no, it it gets you pumped. Yeah, I just want to hear this at Horror Nights going into like a snowy facade with like gremlins popping out of it. It's cute. I, I like the Gremlins, but like Gremlins is a soundtrack I never remember until somebody plays it for me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, hype. It's good. It's cute. It's a moment. I mean, I just mostly put it in for uh, the Mogwai theme because I just think it's a gorgeous theme for a gorgeous little creature. Cutie patootie. All righty. So next, I guess we'll go into my next one. And let me just tell you. I'm so frustrated with Spotify because they don't have Friday the 13th Part 7 soundtrack on there. So when you're looking at this playlist, it's just kind of like a weird mishmash of Friday the 13th Part 7 music. But specifically, the one that I chose is Tina's theme from Friday the 13th Part 7 because I feel like it's kind of like unexpected for a Friday the 13th sound. Like, I feel like all the other ones up until this point aren't really like this. And when I was listening to it, I was like, oh shit, like this is so different than the rest of the soundtrack. And it's like, so like whimsical. And I think it perfectly encapsulates like, like Tina's, I don't want to say innocence, but I feel like she is probably the most like weird and innocent of the final girls from Friday the 13th, even though she's probably the most powerful and is definitely like Jason's equal. It feels very gothic, which I was not expecting at all from Friday the 13th. Like I played it and was like, interesting, but it's so pretty. And I love that it's very unexpected. It's gorgeous. I, I love this final girl theme. It's probably my favorite final girl theme. This might be a stupid opinion, but it uh, gives me the same type of feelings that Nightmare on Elm Street gives me, which is possibly why it feels different for Jason, because it feels like it should be in a Nightmare film. I can see that. Um, it just feels like 
I don't know if it it might be Tina's theme in the first nightmare. Um or maybe Nancy's Nancy's theme, but like they feel similar enough um that it's like innocence and whimsical for something that should be pretty gruesome and terrifying. For sure. Alrighty. Um the rules. Allison, back to you. Okay. So I am not here to um say that the scream tv show was good because it was it was interesting to say Which the one? least there were like different mtv variations. screen um actually there was there was two mtv screens <laughs> so the first one where they had like the two seasons and it was the whole the whole thing like anyways, the soap opera one <laughs> yeah the second one was better that's not the point though so anyways i picked the rules from scream and i only ended up picking this um because it reminds me a lot of the haunting of Hill House and the haunting of Bly Manor for some reason. Like, I know it's not. It's a lot, like, louder and more intense because all of Hill House is very, like, soft and depressing. This is kind of, like, loud and depressing. Uh, and I actually found it because I couldn't find the Creep Show TV series. Like, I don't know if they have a soundtrack at all, but I couldn't find it on Spotify. Um, anyways, I like that it's very mysterious because it is kind of like a whodunit kind of thing because no one knows who Ghostface is or even what it is because they think he's dead so it's an actual ghost in the ghost face mask but it's not because it's mtv (laughs) so it's again i really love the music that's threatening for no reason so this feels kind of like a thinly laced threat like you're not really sure what's going to happen but it's not good i don't know if i've seen this particular television show scream i watched the first season of the other one and that one was wild yeah, so they did two seasons of, like, your typical Scream friends, you think. And then they did one season to, like, reboot it because no one liked the first two seasons. And it was absolutely wild. Like, that's, like, the high schoolers and the guy had a twin brother and all that. That's the third season. That They never go anywhere with that. But it was insane. Love that. Okay, yeah. okay. So now we have back to Bryce. So this is where I shoehorned in something and kind of got a workaround because we specifically stated it would be in media. Um, And so I kind of shoehorned in the best uh, musical thing Disney has probably created, in my opinion, and the best thing Disney has ever created, in my opinion. And uh, I used the Haunted Mansion opening title. Um, Originally, I was just using it for Haunted Mansion, but then I really listened to it again. Uh, And I will defend this movie till my dying days because I love it. Uh, but it beautifully mixes the original Haunted Mansion theme with the organ and like this ghostly music into like some manic ass themes that go throughout <laughs> uh, the mansion. But it's one of those things that like once you've seen it and you go back and listen to it, you can tell exactly what scene's supposed to be what. You can tell which place is a mass grade scene when he sees a letter, when he goes and finds her dead, like the entire thing. Uh, the only thing I don't like about this track is I wish they'd cut out like the last 30 seconds of it because it's that weird like kid going to the gate and getting scared and then going into Jim Evers of Evers and Evers real estate. Um, but yeah, if you cut out like the last 30 seconds and just ended with like the ghostly like vocalization basically of the Haunted Mansion theme, I'd be down for that. I remember watching this movie the other sometimes week <laughs> <laughs> it's not the other day it was a while ago 
but I rewatched it and I was like, like that whole like party sequence happened and like it was like really like quick music and like you, she got poisoned and all this other stuff and then like it pans out to reveal the mansion and it has that like slow organ of the dun 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 like it was uh chills i just i mean i love a good horror comedy i love how funny the movie is but they balance it out really well with like the really pretty sad music because we know bryce's type um (laughs) but i it's perfect it's like you feel like ghosts are just sitting around playing their little pianos, writing their own soundtracks. Good for them. Also, this is not a Haunted Mansion episode, but people always talk about how it doesn't convey Haunted Mansion very well. And I would argue that it does because it has the comedy of Haunted Mansion in a good way. But also, when you were a kid and watching this fucking movie, that butler walking down that entire fucking hallway and appearing out of nowhere scared the shit out of me. When he would appear out of nowhere, he'd scare the shit out of me. Like this film and the entire in sequence with Eddie Murphy fighting off zombies freaked me out when I was a kid. So like this movie really conveyed it well for me. There's nothing in this world that can ever convince me. Anything can perfectly replicate what it's like to ride the haunted mansion. Like nothing will ever meet that storyline. But I think the movie did a really good job of making a haunted mansion story that makes sense. But like you just, you can't change anything that's already in that ride and make it any better. So there's that. Yeah, Bryce and I actually we talked about this the other night because he kind of hinted that he was going to use this, and I was like, "Well, why don't you just use the whole uh, score from the ride?" He but did he told us straight <laughs> up? But yeah, if you use the whole score from the ride, it's just grim grinning ghost slowed down. But I had forgotten about this main theme and how it it had the whole organ into everything. And going back and watching or listening to it today, I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, the whole transition sequence from the organ to the, what'd you call them, the the ghost choir. Yeah, it just, it gets insane. The demon choir on their way to summon your souls. What's that called again? Everything connects. The From the Shining. DSE Ray. DS Array. I only remember that because I read some fans of the opera, like spinoff book back in the day. They talked about him singing that all the time and it was like he's depressed and everyone hates him and he's ugly but he sings this. So I was like okay. Also casting Eddie Murphy was perfect. Casting Jennifer Tilly as Madame Leota was perfect. I don't know if casting Eddie Murphy was perfect because it became an Eddie Murphy featuring Haunted Mansion but I still dig it. Um, I don't think at that point you could have gotten any better comedian to do this movie to be honest right but i still think jennifer tilly stills the show i'm a big fan of um actors that don't act like that very much felt like eddie murphy if he was thrown into a haunted mansion where this ghost was trying to steal his wife and children um and i think that's part of the charm (laughs) (laughs) okay hunter give us your next pick all right, we're just going to go ahead and lay it out here. It is straight to the heart of love from the Country Bears. Um, I just wanted to go ahead and lay it. Country Bears rules, folks. This isn't what this podcast is about, but that's a great freaking movie. It could um, be. Yeah. Um, no, actually, this is one that I don't know if Bryce intentionally left off because he expected it and was, was showing me some kindness, but we're visiting my boy, Elmer Bernstein, of course, the composer of one of the most iconic film scores of all time, Ghostbusters, particularly Library, just because it is 
it's one of the more horrific pieces, if you will. There, there's that great usage of the theremin and the way that it builds up. And it, it builds up this supernatural presence before it finally builds up into something almost like an explosion of sound. And I just really think it is one of those things that helps Ghostbusters toe the line between comedy with horrific elements. And a lot of that comes down to the score piece that's here. Um, it's essential. I actually almost put Dana's theme here instead because I was like, that's a real pretty piece. But I had other pretty pieces. So the library theme, I think, is the horror theme for Ghostbusters. And it had to be here. Yeah, I figured you were going to put something Ghostbusters on here. So I let you have it. But when we get to the lyrical one, <laughs> Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. is mine. I swear to God, if anyone else touches it. Hey, honestly, I feel like we just need to have Ghostbusters as an extra one at that point because we all know that's going to win on the list. I love a theremin. So I love this theme. Um, I love the library. This is my favorite scene from the movie, aside from maybe anything with Dana in it. I forgot we did a whole Ghostbusters episode. Yeah, no, it feels like so long ago. Um, but no, I, I do love this song as well. I think it... it you're right. It's like the horror part of this movie because this movie kind of like tiptoes in and out of horror. I think it still has it at its core, but like <laughs> this, so this song definitely like embodies that. It's fun because it kind of builds up to it. You're not really sure what to expect because it starts with a really comedic like opening and then the library ghost is just freaky. So love her. Um, I have any any of the triggers from the house in 2019 or the Marathon of Mayhem stuck in my head. So that's like sticks with me. But something about the music for Ghostbusters has like an extra presence to it. I don't know what it is, but it just feels like there's more going on than there is because it's a very simple soundtrack, but it's wild. Yeah, it goes beyond like just being a score for a movie. I feel like it's definitely entered kind of like the zeitgeist of of music and soundtracks. I also feel like no one's ever touched the same feeling that Ghostbusters has given you. No, like it's very not. unique to just Ghostbusters. Yes. But also if anyone has just the mix of Ghostbusters from Mar Marathon of Mayhem, please give it to me. I have been looking for that forever and I cannot find it. That hypes me up every single time I hear it. Okay. Um, whose was this? <laughs> Okay, Christopher, your next one. Wow, Hunter, you uh, kind of stole my thunder there. Oh. Just straight to the heart of love. I'm like, wow. Yeah. But um, I'm going to one-up you with um, the iconic composer of all things. Everything. I'm going to say, yeah, of all he music. He composed everything ever. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I would be... Uh, he actually composed Halloween. I, w I wouldn't doubt it. Um, it it would be the master John Williams, and I went with the uh, the Imperial March from Star Wars. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> All seriousness. Um, once again, this theme is another one you can't, you know, have a a horror playlist without, and that's the other uh, theme to Jaws. I mean, it doesn't get more iconic than. Than just hearing those two notes. All I can say about this song is it triggers me to horror nights when you're walking back to your car <laughs> with no one there and all you fucking hear is the Jaws theme going off when you've parked in Jaws. 
any scarecter knows how creepy it is to walk in a empty parking lot with the Jaws theme going on. It truly feels like you're going to get murdered. I mean, we walked through it today in broad daylight with people around us and it was spooky. Yeah, I mean, it's unsettling. And I think that like says a lot about this piece of music that like, you know, you're walking through a parking garage and this is just like music from a movie that's playing and it still makes you feel like you're being like watched. I feel like that says a lot about the song. It's it's very good. And I remember watching this and hearing that music and him killing that first girl. It's truly terrifying. Like I probably would have never gone into the ocean after this had I watched this movie when it came out. It's funny because this is so scary. But then my favorite song is like the little skipper theme. I don't remember what it's called. The like Amity Harbor thing because it's so cute and like happy. They're like da 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 da. And then you have like this people dying and it's fucking terrifying. But then it goes to like the, the nicest little like island song you could imagine. Good for him. You kind of forget that your skipper has an unlicensed grenade launcher just ready to go. Oh, I don't think the skippers have ever been on boats before. I don't think they're licensed boaters either. <laughs> they're probably not even trained tour guides. Yeah. But I alluded to this before we started recording freaking jealous like what else can you say about it like it is one of those like even more so than i think like halloween like it's jaws it's kind of because i guess halloween sits very comfortably in that horror niche whereas jaws i feel like people who maybe don't even like horror have seen jaws they know about jaws and it's definitely more of like a household name than halloween yeah I mean, they both are, but I feel like that one is more so, for sure. Well, you could put it in so many different categories. That, right. Like, any kid could have accidentally watched Jaws and the, not expected it to be absolutely horrifying. The original summer blockbuster. Okay, so next is one of my picks, and that is Lori's theme from Halloween. And I know we have already talked about the main theme, and yes, I love that, but I love Lori's theme more than that if I do say so myself I and it's so crazy because I think like Lori is one of those characters who's definitely like pure innocent but this song is so creepy and I guess it goes back to he's always watching her and I feel like that this song like kind of like is very like wary like it makes you feel wary like you need to like look behind your back because there's somebody who's like slowly creeping up behind you Great. <laughs> Glad we settled that. <laughs> All right, Allison. What's next? Oh, yeah. Allison's eating these nasty-ass chips. Um, so. <laughs> I paid for them, so I kind of have to eat them. Otherwise, I waste some money. I have to listen to the song again really quick because I forgot what it sounds like. <laughs> okay. I got you. <laughs> I got it. Okay, so I picked... Um, Transylvania 1887 from Van Helsing because it's such a good movie. I know it's got so much hate, but Van Helsing is perfection in the worst way possible. Um, this song is like the intro to the movie, but it's very Universal Monsters, and it reminds me a lot of Danny Elfman's Wolfman, which, again, perfection. And it seems a lot like other horror soundtracks, but it's kind of original, and it really reminds me of all of like the Universal adventure pictures, like The Mummy and... Even pirates and stuff like that. So refresh my memory. Is this the song from Van Helsing that has like the acoustic guitar that's like Maybe. Oh. 
I don't know. I'll have to play it in the car. We'll see. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. I said uh, I'll it's circle back. adventure, but make it spooky. Because I think it is. It's very cute. I think we are talking about the same thing. Van Helsing Probably. is really good. Like, I mean, it's bad, but it's good. It's yeah. so bad. That it's, it's cheesy, good. but in a way that it's like killer clowns. Yes. And those actresses, shout out to the actresses who played the Brides of Dracula. They are so completely batshit crazy and over the top that it is borderline masterpiece Oscar worthy. This is such a queer movie too. And I feel like we need to have a whole podcast episode just on that. Let's do it. Let's do Add it. Add it to the list. Chris, write it down. <laughs> Chris, write it that down. But yeah, there's no arguments there. It's like The Mummy. That is a very bisexual movie and you can't make any arguments against that. So anyways, our next song, or let's see something. Well, I was just going to say, like, this is the movie where they're like, man, people really love those mummy movies. We're going to take all the wrong lessons from it and execute that. But I love this movie anyways. Like, Van Helsing rules. The sad thing, too, is they could have made a whole universe out of this. And would it have been good? No. But would I have loved every second of it? Absolutely. I think it would have been perfect. It's like the Haunted Mansion movies. Like, if they had made a whole series out of that, what the fuck? Like, that would have been wild. Billy's having a ball. (laughs) This and Brothers Grimm are like the two movies that should have never been made, but I'm so thankful that they are. Brothers Grimm fucked me up. That's we can go into a whole other episode on that one. Why is it on the list? That God, that film (laughs) fucked me up. That gingerbread man scene. No, I'm not about it. Yeah, we can go on about that. Um, My next pick is purely picked because. Anytime you heard this song, you knew some shit was about to hit. Yeah. Um, and you knew some twist was about to hit you and your world is going to be wrecked. And no matter how bad the movie was before it, it all makes up because this one big twist. Um, and that's Hello Zep uh, plus Overture um, from Saw. And it's just a perfect modern horror theme that just solidified itself into history and I don't know. Even just listening to it gets me hyped. It also does this fun little thing where it like builds you up and then, pardon my French, blue balls you yeah. only to build it right back up to finally Ooh. give you that climax. And it's great. Oh, yeah. I, I will actually go on the record and just say Saw through Saw 4 are really, I feel like they're they're undervalued in a lot of way because like a lot of people are like, ah, oh, it's schlock. Or like, I remember liking those. They're just gory. But like, the first four Saw movies are actually really good horror movies. Like, especially Saw 2. Like, those are great films as far as within their genre. I've only seen the first one so far, but even, I know, I have all of them and I need to watch them. But it's a really effective movie. And I just watched, like, listen to, like, a 10-second clip of this song. And holy shit, I feel so hype right now. And I don't even know what is going on. Like, I don't know the context, but they did that really well i feel like they get you excited but also like what the hell because you know someone's about to get like tortured or blown up or something weird yeah i mean bryce is right like you always knew like they perfectly conditioned you that in like the last like two minutes of this movie when like this song started to play you knew like some crazy ass reveal was about to to happen and i remember sitting in the theaters and watching saw seven the 3d one the one that was supposed to be the last one when like we were they always say that we're on like what three more after that now two (laughs) Yes. Um, but um, when it, I knew the movie was coming to an end and like this started playing again, I was like, what the fuck are they going to like throw at me this time? This is supposed to be the last fucking movie. But it like perfect. 
not perfectly, but it tied <laughs> everything together. And that's what I love about this. They were like, song. you think we're done? Surprise, Chris Rock is coming. <laughs> I truly feel like this, outside of Saw 1, which is a good reveal, but when so- this hits in Saw 2 and you figure out that kid isn't that fucking safe the entire time, <laughs> I have trust issues because of that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This really what is the like the... happened with the same? <laughs> <laughs> this really is the horror film franchise version of Jerry Springer. And like, I love it for those reasons. It is just like, oh my God, he's back. <laughs> And he's here for vengeance. It's it's good stuff. Um, it's that horror makeup show quote where it's like, that's E.T., he's back and he's pissed. But yeah. it's just the puppet. Just the puppet. Uh, watch uh, Living with Jigsaw. It's great. Um, okay, so this is actually my final one. Um, from Howard Shore, a uh, very accomplished composer. Probably, I mean, definitely most well-known for his work on the Middle Earth trilogies, especially Lord of the Rings. Like, concerning Hobbits, like, ooh, don't even need a trap <laughs> remix. We're going for it. But, um, uh, of course, I'm talking about Silence of the Lambs. And, like, what, what I talked about with Philip Glass earlier on and Candyman, this is just one of those pieces of music that really transcends the genre. And I wanted to end on a note like that where it's just, like, this movie, like, I feel like Silence of the Lambs is heavily regarded, but like people also forget about the impact that Silence of the Lambs, it's like this movie and The Exorcist are really the the big two of horror films. And we're starting to see some of that branch out with stuff like Get Out and even Us. Like we're kind of branching out there, but Silence of the Lambs, I wrote here, best picture, best director, best screenplay, best actor, best actress. Shore is the only composer that's alive that has all five of those, like worked on a film with all five. And this is just that piece of music that um, you said earlier, I think it was you, Bryce, but basically you talked about how the music carries you through the movie. And Silence of the Lambs perfectly does that. You know where you are, you know where you're going to, and it's it's just a phenomenal score front to back. I love me some Silence of the Lambs. I just want to sit in this irony for a little bit that we picked a song from a movie that has silence in it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, this movie, and like people want to debate about whether this is a horror movie or not, but like it's solidly a horror movie, and I'll yeah. I'll die on that hill. Even if the Academy wants to call it a suspense film, yes. Yeah. I mean, if we're being honest, how many thrillers or suspense movies are just horror movies that wanted to compete? T. Yeah. Like T. everyone that argues us isn't a horror film, <laughs> if they marketed it as straight horror, they would not win. Well, anything. I would. Ne- I'll never forget being in my room watching this for the first time and that scene where um buffalo bill has the night vision glasses on and clarice is in the pitch black and you see her like spinning around like that scene will always like haunt me oh yeah so suspenseful love it upset okay chris what's your next one all right so for my last one i i decided to throw a, a curveball in for everybody um it would be the um the 1968 Roman Polanski movie, and it's the theme to Rosemary's Baby. And for those, for I those of you, I thought this was a David pick. So. No, it was mine. No, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, pretty much Rosemary thinks she's having the devil's baby. I mean, pretty much. She thinks she is. Well, <laughs> well, she she doesn't really find out till she has I mean, the baby. But yeah, motherhood is hell. So, <laughs> some and but this. It starts off as kind of a, a lullaby, but it's it's very creepy with the the, the la la la's. That's all it is. But 
yeah, it, it sets pretty much the stage for the whole movie. And um, reading about it, I did find out that kind of timed all this. Um, they believed the movie set was cursed. And Roman Polanski, who was married to him, Sharon Tate, she was on the set every day and they believed that she was cursed. And that's why a year later, the whole Manson family thing happened to her. So, yeah. I just want to say that the song is so perfectly 1970s. Um, I love yeah, it. it. It fits that 1970s niche of horror, which is my favorite decade of horror. I love 1970s horror. And I think the song fits perfectly in it along with Suspiria. There's something so creepy about like just people randomly vocalizing and you can tell that there's no like purpose to whatever she's singing, which I think is the creepiest part because she's just like out of it. There's something just like so weird about like a song called Lullaby and you know this movie is about like like motherhood and bearing a child, but like this song is just so uncomfortable. Like I don't know, there's something underneath it that's just like this is so fucked up. This woman doesn't feel like she should have a child. That baby is either possessed or is going to die. So the devil wrote this song. I say this considering I have no idea what happens. I just know that there's a baby and it's Rosemary's. <laughs> You're not far off. You're not far off. Okey or is dokey. it? Oh no! I just I. This is a great choice. Um, I don't know what it says about me, but those uh, zodiac things have been floating around, and this is my ascendant sign is Rosemary. So take that with a. Uh, a grain of salt here but uh yeah seriously though it's just a really good pick this is one of those movies that like it's in the criterion collection like it's classic it's up there with silence of the lambs and it is one of those like i feel like it does constantly get overshadowed by um other films like the exorcist or the omen you know uh even children of the corn which is arguably a much worse movie <laughs> but like um it's one of those that even though it is, uh, it's getting on there as far as years, I still think is very effective, and the score is a big part of that. What's your ascendant sign? Uh, it would be Rosemary. No, like you're like the oh, the sign sign. I believe it would be. Uh, I think it's Sagittarius. Oh, okay. I had to look at. Uh, forgive me. I had to look. I wanted to participate. <laughs> I was feeling left out. Listen, <laughs> we've all been there. I made a co-star just so I could like join in I'm with fun. Check. I contacted my grandma. I'm like. Mom doesn't know what I was fucking for. Grandma, do you know? You were there. And she's like, yes, I have it written on a pillow in Sharpie. And Lord, she pulled You it have out. one of those too? Yeah. I have a Sharpie pillow with my birth on it. Who doesn't have a Sharpie I think that's pillow? a white people thing. I feel like. Sharpie pillow. I want one just so I can like smell it as I'm going yeah, to bed. This at night. straight up is not a white people thing. I have never heard of this in my life. It's not a white people thing, but it's said by two. You guys are definitely getting like sacrificed to the devil whenever you're. Yeah, if you guys have a Sharpie pillow, please quote tweet this. Like, yeah, I want to see this. Leave a rating, five stars only if you I, have Sharpie pillow. I just said it's a white people thing because I think only white people would be weird enough to do that. Like, I don't know that anyone else has Sharpie pillows with <laughs> birth on it. Okay. Why is work. it a pillow? That's what I want to know. Pillow. With pillow. Like, like a spell. Yeah. <laughs> what type of bullshit is this? Can we just acknowledge that Bryce says pillow instead of pillow? You know, it's like when you're a baby, you can't use a big pillow. And I guess you can read straight out of the womb. So you can. <laughs> it's so. When you grow up, you know your ascendant signs. So you don't look like you don't know what you're talking about on a podcast. Right. You're right about that. Chris is like, I have a blanket. With <laughs> no, um, I do know what you're talking about, but because I'm 
old school. I think mine was actually instead of Sharpie, it was like like needlepoint. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I thought he was about to make fun of us. He's like, no, I have a a hand needlepointed <laughs> pillow. <laughs> All right, that got very weird. Oh my gosh. Okay, so my next pick is um, from another Shutter documentary. Um, It's called Scream Queen from the documentary Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, It's a very good documentary. If you are interested in queer horror, I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is a perfect place to start. Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is such an odd movie but i'm obsessed with it and this documentary like talks all about it and the lead actors um internal struggle of coming out of the closet um but this song is very perfectly 80s horror i could see this playing at either 28 or 29 and i love the um the psycho-esque like knife wielding shrieks mixed with the screams that happen throughout the song with that like 80s like synthesizer like bumping mixture in it it's really good yeah this is a really fun song and i think it's one of the fun songs to kind of end the playlist with uh but yeah if you are a fan of this podcast and uh, the queerness that we talk about uh, definitely go watch this documentary it's very enlightening eye-opening um and honestly sad at points so yeah which apparently i'm into so i mean so i know that the actor was gay but this movie came out in a time where people didn't realize you could be bisexual and he could have easily liked the main girl and guys but maybe you should get into that maybe that should be on our lineup later on um yeah next year is just gonna be pride month the entire year because why stop there um, it's a really fun song. It's perfect 80s, very shutter as well. But the clip that Spotify plays kind of reminds me of Marvel Superhero Island for some reason. <laughs> and you guys probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But Banner it, Science Park. it yeah, yeah, it just it sounds like Banner Science Park, um, which is great because I love Marvel and I love this. So cool. Give us your next uh, pick, Allison. <laughs> okay, so mine is. Pas de deux from us by Michael Abels. And it's really fun because it's, you know, a dance for two, but it's like their final stand. And I like that it's got um, Red dancing and Adelaide just screaming because she's struggling. Um, But I do really like how it starts off really strong and it builds up to the sting because it goes like silent and then kind of fades back in and starts really sharp. And I just think it's a really strong piece to end. I I love this sequence in the movie, mostly because Red, who you think would be the one who is kind of all over the place and messy, is very sophisticated and precise. Um, And Adelaide, who you think would be the opposite, is the opposite. But then you later find out that your expectations were right because Red was... not a tethered all along and it's such a weird like twist that I love and I think like when you go back on a rewatch you can really appreciate like what this moment was and I think the music definitely helps with that I feel like it definitely shows how high the stakes are in that final scene but it kind of shows both aspects of like one of them being wildly um unprepared and the other one being really like precise and threatening since that's my sort of thing for all these songs and shout out to Lupita Nyong'o who did this tri- 
Was this how many times does yeah. she have to record this? I, just, I can't imagine. It has to be so rough. Shout out to the composer for uh, ripping this from I Got Five on it. Because not only is that song fantastic, but it really um, kind of comes full circle when it goes from like them having fun in the car to like them running for them lives. Yeah, good job, Michael Abels. Yeah, they really did take one of the greatest rap songs and made it one of the creepiest things you could possibly hear. Um, and I never want to hear this when I'm ever alone, like outside. Or if this no. starts playing, I'm gone. No, I remember when Yeti shut down for a little bit and we were all in our boo holes in the dark and us was still going on next door and like the whole like dun, 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 like kept going on and I for one was alone in my entire scene I was alone in my little boo hole and I was like fuck like somebody is going to like come through my like door and they like, easily the could have just me. walked over there they could have yeah. it was yeah that was unsettling and that's what I remember a lot from, from this music my last note for you is I like how it's very like, they take this from, like, just a throwaway scene. Like, they're just listening to music in the car, and they listen to multiple songs on the drive there. And for some reason, that, like, sticks throughout the entire thing. So it's really interesting. I like that they use it for storytelling. Yeah, because they uh, really use the normal rap song for, like, the normal family. But then they switch it over to this, like, very straight-edged, angular version of it that is supposed to match the tethered. And it kind of... It's very interesting. And it becomes its own character of the film completely. So, yeah. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and finish this out. So, I think this is honestly a fun and great song to finish out on. Because we've talked about Halloween multiple times on this. But I think this song perfectly encompasses every good version of Halloween and its themes. And that's just Shape Returns. Which is in Halloween 2018 when he uh, comes back to Haddonfield and starts killing everybody. Um, and it's a long song that kind of just takes you in and out of houses and through different kills and gives you the classic Halloween theme while giving you that like the uh, shrill that happens every time Michael appears. Uh, it's just genuinely it puts everything that's good about the Halloween score and just puts it in one little track. And it's great. I'm going to be honest. I don't know what beef Michael has with the entire city of Haddonfield at this point, but. On the bright side, however many movies later, at least we got a soundtrack that just rocks. Like every rendition, like you were saying, this one perfectly does them all justice, I guess. At least we know the more he kills, the more he transcends. I don't know what that means. The more he kills, the more we get a new version of his theme. (laughs) The more he kills, the more movies we get. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, it's one of those things where like they give you the same thing, but like tweak a little thing, and you're like, "Wow, amazing!" I, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of like the Halloween soundtracks. Is from movie to movie, they just tweak one little thing or like change something, and like it's a completely different thing. And I love it. There's also this fun little moment where it kind of goes quiet. So if you're not watching the movie, it doesn't make sense. But when you're watching the movie, all you hear is just hammering into a head, and it's just so creepy because it happens off screen. Also. Can I just say the tense moment when I thought Michael was about to kill a baby? <laughs> he ate a dog in the first movie, so I wouldn't be surprised. He killed um, a child in the, that same movie. Okay. It was 12 years old with the raspiest voice I've ever heard. But you like, know, I really thought happens. he was going to kill this baby. It's really funny if you think about it, because Halloween does what Texas Chainsaw was trying to do with remakes, where they made 8 billion Halloween movies, and everyone's like, amazing, I love it. But any Texas rendition, they're like, fuck this series. <laughs> like, I, You only like one movie, and that's it. Yeah, T. We do two outros. Great. Well, we uh, f- 
finished going through 50 songs and wow i am tired we <laughs> really thought that wasn't gonna take years off of our lives <laughs> i never want to hear a piece of music ever again hunter's <laughs> literally our first and only guest this year and he's probably never coming back because he's gonna be like fuck this podcast fuck everything we're about we can't let him come back because he sounds so much smarter than the rest of us and we're all gonna sound fucking yes. stupid Yes, Hunter, thank you very much for being on. We appreciate having you as our very first guest. You've definitely brought a lot of intellectual stuff to our very manic and you were chaotic great. Um, podcast. Just show up on drugs next time. No problem. No <laughs> to problem. To be on that level. Usually I bring alcohol. But yes, it, it truly was a pleasure to be here. Um, uh, it's been a lot of fun watching you guys grow into uh, just this HHN podcast community. And it's, uh, to be perfectly honest, it's, it's gone from a small market to it's a very large market, but you guys are doing something special here, and I, I'm just honored to be a part and be your your first guest. It does mean a lot. Now that we're all crying, <laughs> <laughs> um, are we done? Yeah, you can follow us. Oh, should should we? I wasn't sure if we needed to stop. So okay, well, don't worry. I've rehearsed this plenty of times. <laughs> so. Uh, once again, I just want to thank everybody for joining me this evening on Reflections of Fear. If you want to keep up with me, the best place to do that is on Twitter. You can find me at HanBrolo77. That's H-A-N-B-R-O-L-O-7-7. Of course, the year that Star Wars came out. You can listen to me on the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, where we've looked back at each year of Halloween Horror Nights. We are about to kick off HHN 26 after this haunt season, looking back, doing a retrospective. Very fond year of mine. Of course, you can listen to me on Grim Grinning Host, which is a tribute to all things pop culture, but mostly theme parks. Uh, depending when this comes out, we've probably done a shit ton of fuck shit ever since. Um, so yes, just go back and listen. But most recently, at the time of this recording, we did a horror sequel bracket challenge. Um, I actually get killed by Chucky in the end. If you want to realize how I survived that, you got to listen to part two. Um, and then, of course, you can listen to me on Dis Order Every Disney Film, where we've looked back at each Disney film in chronological order, all the way from Snow White up to Frozen 2. Now we're in the live actions. We just did Mary Poppins. We're about to do Raya and the Last Dragon. It's been a lot of fun over there. So thanks for listening to my 14,000 shows and everything that I guessed on. But once again, just it was a lot of fun to be here. So thanks, guys. I'm in awe. Between the four of us, we can never remember our own at. So <laughs> I know. Amazing. Um, can I just say the Sleeping Beauty episode of Disorder is one of my favorites. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, oh my God, um, Hot for Creature. <laughs> That's H-O-T, the number four, C-R-E-A-T-U-R-E, Hot for Creature. Go ahead. And you can find me, Chris, at BuckSawyer29. You can find me, Allison, at Depths of Allison. Um, and if you want to talk about how disappointed you were about that Beetlejuice shirt, uh, you can find me at Door Yeti and we will gladly talk about it. Um, but anyhow, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Hunter, once again for joining us. Um, and just look underneath your bed, check your closet, and say your name three times in the mirror. Bye. Listen to you every night. <laughs> Music is my life.